Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. I think I just made the worst mistake. Uh, in fact, I was just talking to Katie about this. Uh, Katie's my guest in the studio. I said, make sure you don't mute your microphone. And guess what I did? Can you hear us now, Marco? So we just lost the first 10 minutes of the show, Katie. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So. Second pancake. Here we go. Second pancake. <laughs> All right. So for those that are, that are just catching on to the show now, here's what I did. Uh, and I never do this because I've never had a guest in the studio. No, well, actually, it's, you know, the, the action radio man kicker. Oh, now you have sound. Yeah, of course you have sound now because I unmuted my microphone. Oh, God, I feel like such an idiot. All right. I'm going to start the show over. Hi. In fact, I'm going to play the opening theme again. I'm going to just do this completely over again because this is, this is such a uh, – I, I can't – and I hate repeating stuff because to me, I'm hearing it for the second time. So it doesn't sound anywhere near as good uh, as it would have otherwise. So, so here's what happened. So I have our, our, our new producer. Can I call you a new producer yet? Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So Katie – I hate to say potentially because that just sounds so weak. So, so Katie Caven, our new producer, is in the show, and I was showing her the studio screen before we got started. And I said, here's how we mute the, mute the microphone, you know, and I left it muted. And I forgot to turn it back on. And the reason I didn't check it is I never mute the microphone before the show. And so that's why that happened. So I'm just going to – let me get my show open here. We're going so, to – so take two, and then I'll start my announcements again. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Welcome to paper here. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of goofed uh, on the first thing. So let me kind of, I'm going to recap for you quickly um, what we talked about here. And uh, the time is still going to be the same. I'm Jonathan, hopefully, will be joining us um, at the top of the hour. But uh, I have Katie Caven, our new producer in the studio. And again, I was showing her the board. <laughs> I said, don't, you know, I said, make sure you turn your microphone back on. And guess what I forgot to do? So I thought I'd just kind of start. Oh, let me get back to my notes and uh, tell you where we are here. So. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, although it's, to me, I'm, I'm saying this for the second time, so it's kind of weird. Um, Anybody remember Max Headroom? Uh, this is back in fact. Uh, I don't know if uh, we'll talk to Marco. Uh, Marco's in the Netherlands listening in. And so Max Headroom was this 80s character before the computers really got good. And he just, it strikes me that uh, Joe Biden's either his grandfather or he's the, uh, the modern version of, uh, of Max Headroom. So we talked about that a little earlier. Uh, I talked about the fact that Ron DeSantis uh, is not going to be declaring for president. And again, all you Ed Rollins types and, uh, uh, Carl, Carl Rove, that's the guy I was trying to think of earlier. So it's good to do it a second time, Katie. I remember things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so, so Carl Rove with this little whiteboard, all these folks are drooling over Ron DeSantis. The only people who want Ron DeSantis to run are people that can't stand Trump. And I, I don't even think Ron DeSantis wants to run. You know, I mean, he's, he's traipsing off, you know, he's pushing his book. He's going over to uh, uh, foreign countries, you know, wasting his time. And he's, taking, he's talking about taking on Disney. He is not running for president in 2024. He's running in 2028. 
Okay, this is an exploratory thing. Tim Scott might be running in 2024. And as I explained before I uh, realized my microphone was off, that people run for president for a couple of different reasons. One of them uh, is to get issues out there, like Pat Buchanan did when he ran for president. And the other is, uh, is just to kind of uh, test the waters and explore. Um, and if you're Joe Biden, you, you run for president uh, so they will steal the election for you because you could never possibly win on your own. Everybody knows that, especially the Democrats. That's why they had to steal the election. So he's never done well in any kind of national election. I think last time in New Hampshire, he was fifth uh, until he basically stole South Carolina, which might be another reason that Tim Scott, Tim Scott Senator from South Carolina, is running. So, uh, so we're all caught up. Marco's been listening to This is why it's great to have uh, somebody you know, listening in and saying, hey, Greg, guess what? <laughs> so, Katie, that's what you'll be doing at, you know, at the, uh, when you're in studio, in your studio, is uh, you'll be able to type me a message and say, Greg, you're not on the air. What are you doing wrong? You know, so I don't know if you can unmute my microphone or even mute my microphone for that reason. We'll find out, uh, find out what's going on. So, uh, okay, good. All right, there we go. I check messages occasionally. All right, so, so you missed my entire uh, uh, introduction of the 14th Amendment. So let me start again. So the show title that I originally had planned and have a bunch of articles on this is the end of the world, racing to the end of the world, part one. So I want to kind of dedicate this week to all the things that are completely unnecessary that are destroying this country and, and most of the rest of the countries uh, in the world also. And that would be the bogus climate change. Uh, let me talk about climate change for a minute. I meant, uh, forgot to make this point when I was muted. So let me, uh, let me start again. We all know that the COVID jab was completely unnecessary, that we had early treatments, uh, that we knew about those early treatments from Didier Raoult in Marseille, France, uh, and Dr. Uh, Zelenko, who became a friend of mine uh, before he passed away, uh, that they had the Zelenko protocol, which was uh, vitamin D3, vitamin C, zinc, zithromycin, uh, and hydroxychloroquine. And so hydroxychloroquine destroys the cell wall, the protein wall. The zinc kills the genetic material of the virus itself and prevents it from replicating. So anybody can understand that. And I had a liberal call who used to say, well, you're not a doctor. How do you know? Well, because I can read. <laughs> you know, I went to school. You know, I, I read the same studies the doctors read. That's not hard to understand. That one chemical destroys the cell wall of a virus or the protein wall, and another, and a mineral, um, poisons it so it can't replicate. That's not hard to understand. And so this idea that only doctors can dispense this magical knowledge, just like lawyers. You know, you, only lawyers can write the law. Well, I'll tell you, I got, more, I got more laws written than anybody in Congress right now. You know, together, cumulatively, Action Radio has more laws on, you know, potentially uh, in our website, writeyourlaws.com, than the entire Congress has written probably in the last 20 to 30 years because they don't write laws anymore. The lobbyists do. So don't tell us what we can't do because they ain't listening. So as far as knowing what about early treatments, I was reporting early treatments as far back as uh, March of 2020. That's what got us censored severely. It's even worse now. Again, someone, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this you know, during my, my second opening, uh, but someone tried to hack our website. And so FBI, KGB, you know, I know you guys are listening. Um, so, uh, you know, but all I ask is that before you break into the place, call me ahead of time. I'll make coffee. We'll chat. We'll have a good time. Um, that would be uh, a whole lot easier. But uh, it's, not, you know, it's not hard to get a hold of me. If you want to know what I'm thinking, listen to the show because I don't really hold anything back. All right. Back to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. He, oh, no. Let me go back to climate change. So we know that the powers that be totally destroyed our healthcare system, brought about all kinds of mandates. They, uh, you know, imposed masks. They did everything they could to control people, and none of that was necessary because COVID. I still have the chart. Katie, I'm going to show you this chart uh, probably after the show. Uh, a chart, chart that proved that COVID, uh, the deaths were heading for zero mid-July of 2020. So it was pretty much done then. 
So we know that they fudged the numbers after that. They went from deaths to cases. They lied about everything. Uh, the things that killed the thing that killed people in the hospital most was ventilators. The thing that put people on the ventilators was remdesivir. That's why we call it the remdesivir ventilator death march. And so that's what killed people. In fact, I just saw a report. And the report's all coming out now, all the things we knew three years ago. Uh, when, when Trump was rushing for ventilators, I said, why do you need ventilators? We've got, uh, you know, we've got early treatments. Nobody needs to even go to the hospital, except for the really, really sick, the really vulnerable. But that's less than one, one-tenth of one percent of the population was that vulnerable to COVID. The rest of us were fine. I, got it. I had it myself. So why would anybody assume that the people that tried to kill us with COVID jabs would try to save us by taking away carbon dioxide? Does that make any sense? Does it make any sense that the people that you know want the population down to 500 million, which is insanely low, that want to destroy the world's population would somehow act to try and save us by taking away our carbon dioxide? That makes no sense. So the reason that climate change is bogus and it's a totally, um, I guess, you know, what's, what's the word, destroyed theory is because the, the, the people that are pushing it are the ones that are trying to kill us all. So why would the people that try to kill us with COVID try to save us by, by saving us from carbon dioxide? That makes no sense. And so as we know, carbon dioxide is the building block of life. You know, we are carbon-based life forms. Carbon dioxide, oxygen is what we breathe. Carbon is the substance that makes us up. Combine that with water and sunlight and chlorophyll and you get photosynthesis. That's what the plants breathe. That's how they make their food. No plants, no animals. No animals, no us. So the beauty of the Industrial Revolution, the beauty of, of burning organic, don't say fossil, organic fuels, is that we started to put back the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere that had been lost for thousands of years, millions of years since the dinosaurs, but thousands of years, and was at a point so dangerously low, we were, we were about 30 parts per million away from, from losing life on Earth back in the 1800s when it was 180 parts per million. At 150 parts per million of carbon dioxide, plants start dying. And so, you know, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in intelligent design, uh, I, to me, that's when the earth was saved, was when we started burning organic fuels. And we got a whole bunch of cool things, too, cars, jets, trucks, ships. You know, we got, we got the internal combustion engine. Well, the internal combustion engine replaces CO2 in the atmosphere, completing the carbon cycle. So the idea that the people that want to kill us want to save us by taking away carbon dioxide is an oxymoron. It's a complete contradiction. They want to kill us by taking away our carbon dioxide. So that's how you can dispute the carbon theory. Well, you can say it in a, fewer, a lot fewer words than I did. Um, I don't know if I said it on the air that clearly before, because I kind of really sort of had that this week. Katie, let me ask Katie, who's in, in studio behind me. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Write notes, send me text. <laughs> she's, she's a little bit far, far away from the microphone, but I'll, uh, I might be able to drag her up to the mic at some point today. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, that's how we do things here. That's, I mean, a lot of this is spontaneous thought. So let's get on to the, of, of these people that are trying to end the world. So the, the world is trying to be ended by a bunch of different things. The World Economic Forum um, wants us in these 15-minute cities so we can all be completely controlled. The, uh, the global powers want, to, want, the, want depopulation, and they're going to do it two ways. So they're going to take away our carbon dioxide, um, and they're going to inject everybody with horrible, quote, vaccines that are really genetic programming. Okay. The transhumanists, uh, the, the, techn- the technocrats, uh, technocracy, as, as Patrick Wood would uh, call it. I want to get Patrick Wood back on the show. But that's what's going on. All right, so let me, um, what I want to do, before I get my articles, let me take a, a quick break here. And I want to show Katie how this works. So Katie, slot up here a little bit. 
So we do here is we have a series of ads. And let me start the right here under A for ad. <laughs> so I'm showing Katie the board on the right-hand side. So basically, this is when I will start to play a couple things. So I note the time. It is 7.22. And for those listening, the first 10 minutes of the show, I forgot to record. Because <laughs> I didn't have the mic, uh, have the mic live. So let's start playing some stuff, and I will be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network. 
the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. And this time I actually remember to turn my microphone back on. So, ah, water down. Here we go. Um, so, let's get into some of the doom and gloom sayers. There's a lot of pessimism out there. And, uh, you know, I hear this all the time. And so we're going to deal with it and I'm going to be reacting to it. But I don't believe it for a second. Um, I wouldn't have started Action Radio if I thought that everything was lost, that there's no hope. To me, that's part of the plot. That's part of the, you know, the, the, the mind control, the part of the deep state to make you feel powerless. You know, and everybody says, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Well, guess what? We're all just one person. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. That's how the system works. We are all one person. I'm one person, but I'm one person that has a lot of persons around me that do incredible things. Uh, the newest one being Katie, you know, right here in the studio with me. Um, and so there's just incredible people out there and meet the incredible people and start working together and, and sort of reinforce each other's confidence and anything's possible. I mean, who would have thought that you know, one person um, could start a radio show that actually writes legislation uh, on a worldwide basis. You know, we already have an Australian Bill of Rights. You know, and that never occurred to me until I, I met uh, Jen Clark in Australia. Well, I didn't meet her personally, but we met online. Uh, in fact, I reached out to all the Freedom Truckers back when they were going to uh, Ottawa and Canada and Canberra and Australia, uh, Israel and Holland, excuse me, Netherlands. Mark always gets after me. You know, all these different places I reached out to, and uh, Jen got back to me and said, yeah, let's talk. Three months later, we had an Australian Bill of Rights. All right, so let's go to one of the folks I actually do like. Uh, this is Dr. Joseph Sansone, and this is on uh, Substack. Substack is my favorite new source of information. And so just to give you an idea of the pessimism that's out there, this is one of the problems. Um, he says, the war for the world. And this is Dr. Joseph Sansone, May 5th. And so just well, May, a couple weeks, what is it, 23rd? So a couple weeks ago. He says, Alex Jones titled his book, The Great Reset and the War for the World. The title was spot on. There is indeed a war for the world going on. Yeah, but you guys aren't fighting it. <laughs> you know, you're just talking about it. Alex Jones is fighting it. He's just one of the few that is. I mean, I'd love to get on. Oh, Katie, Alex Jones. Let's get on with Alex Jones if we can. Uh, yeah, so, I'm sound good? Listener. Okay, so you're listening. Okay, good. Yeah. In fact, you could even do that. We'll, we'll, we'll freak him out sometime. We'll do a, I'll have you do an Alex Jones report. Okay. And then we'll send it to him. Okay. Right, there we go. Okay. So, again, Katie, our new producer, Katie Caven. Uh, who I'm going to be soon titling the world's greatest producer. And so we're, we're brainstorming here. She's in the studio watching how the show actually works. So it's kind of cool. But uh, the war for the world is not really being waged. Uh, we're losing. I'll tell you quite honestly, we're losing. And we're losing for, for a simple reason that people think it's already over. Well, you can't think that way. I don't think that way. You know, I'm not going down without a fight. But John Paul Jones say, I have not yet begun to fight? Yeah, you ain't seen nothing yet. Boy, what do we break through our censorship? Then things are really going to – what are we on with Joe Rogan? Oh, Joe Rogan. So we got to – 
you know, contact him again. I keep trying to reach him. I keep trying to reach all these people. And uh, I definitely want to be on with Tucker Carlson. In fact, my plan with Tucker is to actually uh, write a bill on the air with him, have him write a bill. Yeah, broadcast history. I know. That's kind of what we do here every day. All right. So he says, back to uh, Joseph Sansom uh, and his Substack. Uh, so you can get him on, let's see what his Substack is titled, Mind Matters and Everything Else with Dr. Joseph Sansom. And he says, there is no going back. The war for the world started in earnest in January of 2020 when the global pandemic was released. It accelerated with the lockdowns. Uh, he says, there's, there's that prison term again. Uh, it's true. Yeah, lockdown is a prison term. Uh, I didn't think about that, but it's absolutely true. Face masks, social distancing, the little lines on the floor, standing six feet apart, and then went into hyperdrive with the fake 2020 election and the COVID-19 bioweapon shots. So this guy uses correct language. I mean, I try to use correct language all the time here, too. Um, that's why I call him Dr. Fascist. Katie, I don't think you've heard. Have you heard Dr. Fascist? You know who I'm talking about, right? Fauci. Yeah, exactly. Fauci, yeah. So his full title is the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. That's his full title. You can memorize and use that anytime on the show. Okay. Feel free. All right. Katie Caven, the world's greatest producer in here, learning to be the world's greatest producer. Um, back to the article. He says, uh, here we go. He says, escalation in this conflict has continued, even if the method of attack continues to shift. Like a boa constrictor tightening its grip, the globalists are implementing a methodical campaign of manipulate of marginalization, excuse me, censorship, deplatforming, hey, that'd be us, <laughs> you know, and outright canceling, yep, yep, got that too, <laughs> are the norm. Uh, this is why we wrote a bill. And for those that don't know, so, so everything we talk about in Action Radio either has a bill or will have a bill. And our bill is our bill to eliminate big tech censorship. And it's very simple. It doesn't cost money. It doesn't require a new department. Uh, it doesn't require all kinds of antitrust regulation. We don't need years of hearings. Uh, we don't need any of that stuff. What it says is that big tech uh, from Section 230 of the Communications Decent Act keeps their immunity from what users do on social media and with search engines. Okay, that's a good thing. They should have that immunity because all they're doing is providing a service in the same way that the phone company, you know, if you threaten a public official, you don't, they don't arrest the phone company. They don't prosecute the phone company. They're immune from what you say. You are responsible for what you say. Same thing with, with uh, big tech. They should be immune from people that uh, do horrible things with information from search engines, like try to build a nuclear bomb. I think the inf- we should actually look that up sometime, how to build a nuclear bomb. That'd be kind of funny. Of course, that'll be on yet another FBI list. Anyway, but uh, the, the information is not the problem. It's what you do with it. And so in the same way, um, big tech should be immune from what people do on social media. And they should be immune from what people do with search engine information. However, and here's the big however, that immunity conditional, and this is where our bill is different. Our immunity conditional says that if big tech will remain immune from liability, so long as they don't touch anything that you post on social media, they do not touch your account in any way. They do not touch what appears in Messenger. They do not work the search engine results at all. No algorithms. All they do is put uh, search results according to the raw number of hits. If they keep the raw number of hits, if they don't touch your messenger, don't touch your account, and don't touch what you post, then they keep their liability. If they don't, that liability immunity is revoked. That's it. That's it. That's the whole bill. They leave you alone. They're immune. They interfere with you in any way, however minuscule. The immunity is revoked, and you can sue them. That's it. That is the entire solution. doesn't require a lawyer. 
doesn't require geniuses to think of it, doesn't require hours of hearings, doesn't require a massive bill, doesn't require a budget, doesn't require new regulations, antitrust regulations, doesn't have to go through the DOJ or even the Supreme Court. The liability is conditional on them not touching your account, not touching social media, and not arranging the search engine results. That's the entire bill. Now, is anybody that has a problem understanding that? Let's check with Marco. Marco, make sense? Let me put live chat back up. So this time I forgot to put live chat back up. I mean, I have my microphone on at least, <laughs> but I forgot to put live chat. So Marco, do you guys, would you be interested over there in, in uh, uh, maybe starting like an action radio group, activist group, and maybe seeing if you can get uh, uh, some, of, some of our bills to the Dutch legislature? In other words, you would, have, you would write your own version of our, anti, of our, of our big tech censorship bill uh, for there. Anyway, uh, if you get a chance to get back to me, uh, let me know. I'll be curious on that. I love it. I talked to microphone and the Netherlands response. This is so cool. Huh, what a privilege. All right. Let's get back to the, uh, the article. He says, while this unrestricted warfare is being waged against human populations, the parade keeps marching on. The same old debates are being waged. Oh, yeah. Debt ceiling comes to mind. A grossly feigned ignorance of the situation continues by the political media and corporate class. Politicians and their fans are like the band playing its music. Do you guys remember during the AIDS crisis, uh, the movie and the band played on? And so the AIDS crisis was, again, Dr. Fascist. Dr. Fascist pushed, pushed a drug called AZT. AZT was the precursor to remdesivir. It, I don't know if it cured anybody. I know it certainly killed people. We, we did a show, you know, did uh, Dr. Fascist kill Freddie Mercury of Queen? And our conclusion was, yes, he did. Because the timeline of when AZT came out and when Freddie Mercury got the treatments for it makes sense. No one talks about that, you'll hear. But I, I'm convinced of it. Uh, I'm convinced that, uh, that he did it. And there was a perfectly valid drug. Uh, the hydroxychloroquine of its time was called Batrin. And Batrin was discovered by New York doctors, and they wanted to do a study of it. And Dr. Fascist wouldn't let them because he wanted to push AZT because he had the license and the royalties, and he was going to make money on it. And he didn't care how many people he killed. The man is a true psychopath. You want to come after me, Dr. Dr. Fascist? At least spell my name right. Back article. He says, the willful ignorance. Uh, oh, here we go. He says, the disconnect. Oh, wait a minute. I, I, I skipped a little section here. I get, I get caught up in what I'm talking about here. He says, the same old debates are being waged. A grossly feigned ignorance of the situation continues by, oh, I read that. Band playing its music to a mind-numbed audience. Oh, here we go. This is, let me just say this full sentence. Politicians and their fans are like the band playing its music to a mind-numbed audience long after the Titanic hit the iceberg. Even worse, any mention of a lifeboat causes consternation and discomfort. It is as if pointing out that we hit an iceberg some ways back that we can live if we get into the lifeboats was enhancing the problem rather than the solution. I know exactly what he means by that. Um... This happens at Action Radio all the time. We have a bill that puts full product liability on vaccine makers. Is it writeyourlaws.com? Go to writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Click on legislation and click on all proposed laws. It's like fifth or sixth down. It's there. That bill was written over two years ago. Vaccine product liability, we had a bill to stop vaccines with product liability before any mandates were issued before anybody was kicked out of the military, before anybody lost their job in government or private industry, before anybody was forced to take it just to keep their job and got sick or died from it. Before that, we had a bill that would have stopped it. That was your lifeboat. And you didn't take it. Not you specifically who are listening. You're the good folks. But if you haven't shared the bill and you haven't shared the show, 
then you're not helping, and we need you to help. See, we can do everything in Action Radio here except share the bills for you and share the shows for you. You have to do that. You have to cut and paste the link, put it in email, send it to members of Congress, send it to all the other talk shows that are sitting on their butts doing nothing but you know, trying to make advertising revenue by shocking you. Well, that's not good enough. So it's up to you to share the bills. The, I mean, the lifeboat is here. We can do everything but put you in it. You have to share the bills and share the shows. That's getting into the lifeboat. The lifeboat's already built. It's already there. It's been here for years, six years, in fact, when I first started the show. Same thing with, with uh, big tech censorship. Same thing with our, our so-called debt crisis, which is totally fabricated. There is no debt crisis. All they have to do is cut spending below the, uh, the debt ceiling like they're supposed to do or not make those, quote, obligations in the first place. There is no debt crisis. It's a total myth. It's a total lie. And yet everybody's like, oh, no, we have to raise the debt ceiling or we'll default. No, you cut your spending or you'll default. What, what, what happens with your credit card? You know, you've got a $10,000 limit. Let's be generous. Let's talk high finance here. And you want to spend $15,000. Well, credit card company says you can't spend $15,000. You can only spend up to ten. Well, wait a minute. I've already spent the money. I've already bought the boat. You know, you got to raise my credit card limit so that I can buy this boat I've already paid for or I've already, uh, you know, signed on to. I already have a contract. You, you have to raise my credit card. What are they going to say? They're going to say no. <laughs> okay. And that's what the Congress should have said. You know, that's what, uh, that's what if we had a president, a real one, that's what Trump would have said. At least I would hope so. They said, no, you spent, you made obligations that you could not have legally made because the debt ceiling prevented it. So the idea that we have to raise the debt ceiling to pay our obligations is total nonsense. It's a total lie. We have to leave the debt ceiling where it is. I would actually lower it. We have to lower the obligations to meet the debt ceiling, not the other way around. So you got your lifeboat. The only question is, are you going to crawl into it? Okay, we've, we've got the lifeboats. We've got bills. We have a, a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That's a lifeboat. All our bills that do the things that they do that will get us our freedom back are your lifeboats, but you're not getting in. This really is the perfect metaphor. So I'm glad I discovered this article. Continuing on, the disconnect between politicians and the electorate continues to widen. This is fueled by the fact that elections are increasingly fake and the means of recourse called the ballot box has vanished. This willful ignorance among politicians is evident in the presidential race. Not one candidate has called out the campaign of biological warfare against the United States. That would be COVID. Trump and DeSantis have not admitted of this, this either. It's hard to be America first and look the other way while Americans are being murdered and maimed with biological weapons. Even RFK Jr. has not admitted the shots are biological weapons. Well, I'm not as concerned with them admitting their biological weapons as I am concerned with them sponsoring vaccine product liability. So you can call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you call it. See, to me, that's a peripheral. To me, that's raising complaining to an art form. Okay? He's right in the first paragraph. He's wrong in this one. Because if all you're doing is relabeling, renaming something, you're not solving the problem. The problem is we need vaccine product liability. And Congress, people say to me, well, Congress is never going to pass that. What makes you think I want it to be an option? We had vaccine product liability. Ronald Reagan signed it away. Congress has never restored it. Well, Big Pharma is too powerful. Well, why is Big Pharma too powerful? Why do they count more than we do? Do you think there's more of them and more dollars than there are uh, people to vote? No. I mean, how many people would, would it take to sway a member of Congress or, or a member of the Senate? Katie, now that I think about it, I've got, got an idea for you. Tell me what you think of this. Katie, the world's greatest producer, learning to be the world's greatest producer. <laughs> I, like, I kind of like that line. Um, 
how many votes, how many, how many responses? Let's see if we can find this. This would be like a research project. How many responses does it take to change a member of Congress's mind? So that would be for the House and for the Senate. Yeah, if you look it up right now, that, feel free uh, if you want to let me know. But how many responses does it take to change their mind? Now, with big farmers, it's going to be different because they've got uh, – Matt Gates was on a special on One America was talking about how there's a, there are several lobbyists for each member of Congress. They have so many lobbyists. They have like three lobbyists per member of Congress. That's insane to have to be that. That means they're making that much money. They can afford three lobbyists per member of Congress or, a, or maybe the, whatever it is, they have three members, of, whatever it is. They've got so many lobbyists. They're the biggest lobby on, on, on Capitol Hill. So how do we defeat them? Well, we have more people sending a bill for product liability that would cause them, if they didn't pass it, it would cause them to lose their election. That's what we really need to do. So here's, so you need to, uh, you know, if you want, if you want to have the Titanic, you know, backstep from the iceberg, um, the Titanic would be the deep state, <laughs> you know, so I mean, we should have them hit the iceberg. Um, I'm mixing my metaphors, but the point is that we need to be powerful enough as regular citizens of just one person combining with all the other just one persons so that we have enough impact in Congress so that big pharma cannot stop them from passing vaccine product ability. That's where we need to be. Katie, make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Katie's right behind me. She's not at the microphone. I'll drag her up here at some point. At least get you to say hi. <laughs> I want to get you on the radio. Make you a professional. Let me get back to the article here. I kind of like this one. I, I usually have like 10 articles and I get to one of them. That's kind of how things work around here. I'm going to check in with live chat. See, here's, Katie, here's the problem. I can't read articles and check live chat and do everything at the same time. Right. So you'll, you'll notice that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But you'll be able to, when you have your screen, you'll be able to send me stuff and read articles and, and check live chats and screen calls and do all that kind of stuff. Okay. And I did find out how many, um, what it takes to change. Oh, that's all right. I'm going to slide the microphone over to Katie. Come on, Katie. Here's your chance. Slide up. Okay. Talk away. Okay. Hi there. Article Sit five. Down. Be comfortable. Okay. Slide up a little um, bit. Okay. Breathe. <laughs> Get up to the microphone. Okay. I'm here. Okay. Article five of the U.S. Constitution sets forth two methods for amending the document. First, either two-thirds of both chambers of Congress or conventions in two-thirds of the states may propose amendments. And the proposed amendment is subject to ratification by three-fourths of the state legislatures. Now. <laughs> so, so I guess to break that down into actual numbers. Okay, wait a minute. So that's, that's a different question, actually. Oh, oops. No, that's okay. No, don't, don't worry. There's no, there's no oops in action radio. Don't, don't worry about it. No, no. But what's, uh, so now that would work for when we're, with our constitutional amendment. Um, to, uh, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. But what I want to know is how many letters, how many phone calls, how many, what does it take to influence? In fact, you'd even ask the question uh, online, how many responses, and it's probably in the millions, would it take to overcome the power of big pharma in Congress, their, oh, lo- their lobbying power? That's the question. Yeah, I, I probably should have been clearer about that. No, that's good. Yeah, okay. okay. I love having a producer. This is going to be so much fun. We <laughs> get instant answers to everything. This is going to be great. Um, okay. But that's the question. So that way I can tell people, you know, when they say, well, wait a minute, uh, you can't fight big pharma. I go, yeah, we can. We just need 3 million uh, responses. Well, how are you going to get that? Well, I should have 3 million listeners by now. And if each one sends in response, we're done. I mean, I want to break this down. Okay, this is, how does this sound for strategy? I want to break this down so that we, we can actually tell people that it's going to take, you know, 3 million listeners to defeat big pharma, uh, take about two and a half million to defeat the climate change agenda. Uh, it's going to take uh, probably 10 million, you know, responses to stop Congress from borrowing money. You know, that's the kind of, I would like to be that 
analytical. I think that would be fascinating if we had that much uh, knowledge at our disposal. Hmm. Because then, then it seems reasonable. If people know that it only takes 10 million people to uh, have Congress uh, sponsor a constitutional amendment um, to, take away the power, to take away their own power to borrow money, that's going to be the hard one. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna, to actually we're gonna demand that Congress give up the power to borrow money. But think of the possibilities if they do. No inflation. The dollar increases in value. Prices go down. Your savings go up because you can buy more stuff. And the biggest of all is that the transfer of money from you to the government and to the Federal Reserve through inflation is reversed because with deflation, with deflation, with a shrinking of the money supply, with an increasing the value of each dollar, with the purchasing power transferring back to we the people, it transfers from they the government and they the big banks. And that's a good thing. And that's what they're most afraid of. That's why they lie to you and say that uh, 2% inflation is our goal. What, your goal is taking 2% of my money every year? They used to be 3%. I guess they're getting a little scared. What, that's your goal? That's your target? No, your tar- my target is 5% deflation. I want, I want to have our money increased by 5% each year, taking 5% of your money and giving it back to us. That's what I would call Robin Hood economics. I like that title. Robin, what do you think? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> it's podcast forever. I'm sorry. There we go. Yeah. So, Robin, yeah, Robin Hood economics. Yeah. Back to the article. This is this. this uh, so here we, go. here we go. He says, this appears a global campaign of extermination. Didn't we just talk about that? We talked about that. The people that are giving you the COVID shots are also the ones taking away your CO2. If they want to kill you, they're not going to try and save you on the one hand and kill you on the other hand. That's, that doesn't make any sense. They're trying to kill you in both ways. So by taking away our carbon dioxide, we should, have, we should be screaming for more carbon dioxide. You know, this should be a tax deduction for buying a V8 engine and driving eh, five miles an hour above the speed limit. I don't tell people to be reckless. But we should have bigger engines. We should be taking more trips by car. We should abandon the 15-minute city. We should have the, you know, the, 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 the 15-hour nation. How, how far can you get 15 hours in a car? You can pretty much cross a lot of the country, at least half. So we don't need 15-minute cities. We need 15-hour car drives. Oh, we need a bumper sticker. <laughs> Let's do that. No 15-minute cities, yes, 15-hour car drives. Oh. Back to the article. This appears a global campaign of extermination. The COVID-19 shots are utilizing gene editing technologies and nanoparticles. Nano is like really small, really, really small. I think a, a nanometer is one millionth of a meter. It's a ridiculously small amount. Anyway, it says these are biological and technological weapons. Yet we are left with a situation where not one politician in America of any prominence has stated that these are biological and technological weapons. Increasingly, the public is aware that they, are, they were lied to and these injections were not safe or effective. Yeah, no kidding. In fact, it is already known that the government hid actual information about the dangerous side effects of these weapons. Just keep in mind, the federal government was aware of the dangers of these shots by the spring of 2021 before the major rollout. Actually, the deep state was aware that these shots were dangerous since messenger RNA technology it was a DARPA project for over a decade. That's defense something or other. I forgot what it all means. I'm going to hold this one here because this one's a good article, but I've got a few more I want to get to. We've got about 10 minutes before Jonathan gets here. Here's what I want to take next. Here's another one. J.D. Rucker. Again, Substack, America's First Report. 
We cannot stop the societal collapse that's coming. Yes, we can. But I want to, know, I want to tell you what they're saying, what the, what the complainers are saying. Uh, so, Katie, big thing, if I ever forget this, we always quote our sources. Source title, website title, article title, author, date, all that kind of stuff. Never take credit for things we don't do. Because we take so much credit for what we do do. <laughs> do do. Do do. Did I have to say do do on the radio? Do do. Oh, gosh. Ow. Katie's going to be my, my sarcastic sidekick. It's going to be it's going to be terrible. Yeah, you're going to point out all these things, aren't you? I can tell. I, can, no, I know. I know what's coming. You can't fool me. No, I know what, I, this is going to be great. Ah, we had a producer for a while. I miss her. She was good. That was Jean. Jean was great. All right. We cannot stop the societal collapse that's coming. There's a scene in Liam Neeson movie uh, Taken where he's on the phone with his daughter. Men are there to kidnap her, and she's a world away from him in Europe. As a former intel agent, he knows what's going to happen and realizes there's no way to stop it. As much as he'd love to come up with a way for his daughter to escape or fight off the assailants, he knows the best thing he can do is prepare her by telling her the truth. He says, now the next part is very important. They're going to take you. Rucker says, that's similar to how I feel about the current onslaught of national crises. I'd love nothing more than to tell my audience that if we do this or if someone else does that, we're going to be just fine and America will be great again. Unfortunately, the writing on the wall is undeniable. Unless God acts on our behalf in ways nobody expects and none of us deserve, then things are going to get much worse in the near future. Well, J.D. Rucker, who I have written, by the way, should <laughs> I have commented on his pages, I get news for you. The whole reason Action Radio exists is to do exactly what you're asking. Okay? We are the someone else that does that. We are going to be just fine. It's not undeniable. You know, God has already acted on our behalf. I mean, who do you think puts all these ideas into my head? I don't take credit for them. It's already there. The, the, the lifeboat is here. The response is here. And I'm not trying to be arrogant and say that we have all the answers. We don't. But we do have solutions that nobody else has even thought of. We have bills that nobody else has written. And all, I, all I'm asking you to do is share them. You don't even have to write them. We do that. We do it all for you. We write them. We research them. We take comments on them. We have people on the air to discuss them. If you want to write a bill, I'll work with you. We do workshops on the air. We do everything except probably the most important thing, sharing them with Congress and media because we can't. There's not enough of us. And they're, they're sick of hearing from me anyway. <laughs> you know, it's up to you. But I'm telling you right now that uh, citizen legislation. See, this is – and I didn't realize this when I first started this. When I first started Action Radio, I was thinking – isn't this going to be great? We can talk to members of Congress. We can suggest bills to them. Hopefully, they'll take them. You know, state legislatures, they'll, they'll consider them, and we'll lobby them. I, think that, and I thought that was going to be great. Well, that was during the days of Trump. We're in a different situation now. Now, we really almost have to mandate. I said, look, you people, you have to listen to us. We want numbers so great that they don't have a choice but to listen. And, of course, it'll always go through the legislative process. We will never be advocating things that are unconstitutional here. I want stuff to go to the legislative process. But lobbying bills with millions of people is, is as American as it gets. They can still vote against this. I don't think they will if we get enough people. Because what we're doing here is for freedom. None of these bills benefit us personally. There's not a single bill that benefits except to give us all freedom. As it says in the 14th Amendment, the equal protection of the laws. That's what it's all about. So I got news for you, J.D. Rucker. The cure is here. I just need you to write about it. <laughs> okay. He says, for those who need a pep talk, this isn't it. This is a wake-up call. 
Most of my audience are very well aware of the troubles we face, but seeing some of these challenges listed together may bring necessary perspective. He says, my priorities are to spread the truth of the Bible, share the truth of this world, and offer solutions. I'd love to be the guy who could prioritize offering solutions over sharing the truth of this world, but I'm just better at being a journalist than an organizer. Well, then, J.D. Rucker, be a journalist. We've already, we've already offered the solutions. Katie, you see my frustration? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, I mean, we're, we're handing it to you. It's like we're handing you the keys to the Ferrari. Well, I don't know if I want to drive that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of red. <laughs> it's kind of powerful. Is that got a V12? Yes, it's got a V12. Hop in and drive it. Oh, gee, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've never driven a you – know, I don't care. <laughs> you know, leap into the water. Come on, it's great. So here we are at the end of the cave, all you people in the cave, and we're, we're in the sunlight. Going, look, look what we discovered. This is kind of cool. We can write our own laws, and we can advocate them, and we can bring them to every level of government, from the president to your local school board. We can do that. No, you can't. And that's where it gets lost. That disconnect. Well, I don't know if I can do that. These are the keys to the Ferrari. All you have to do is open the door and hop in and drive. Uh, you better keep the keys. The keys are the bills. The keys to the Ferrari are the bills. Congress is the Ferrari. All you have to do is open the door, turn on the key, start the engine going. Damn, that's a good metaphor. That is good. I, we we got to get to use that again. Okay. Mark the tape. 755. Of course, it's going to be <laughs> 10 minutes short because we screwed up the first 10 minutes of the show. I'm glad you're here, Katie. I'm on a roll this morning. This is, uh, yeah. is kind of cool. A little bit more of the article. Jonathan, like I said, should be joining us uh, pretty soon here. He says, with that said, this doom and gloom article is intended to alert people uh, that if they aren't bracing for impact yet, it's time to start. If you've been bracing for impact already, then please spread the word. Many of us do not have the time or resources to fully protect ourselves and our families. So focusing on that is the best we can do. He says, for those who have the time and resources, I'd, like, I'd ask you to help others to see the light. Oh, yeah, we're here. <laughs> Waving my arms. You can't see it on radio. It's like, we're here. We're here. Totally being censored. It's like the little girl in Poltergeist. You ever see that movie Poltergeist? They're here. That's all the falsetto you're getting from me this morning. He says, I'd like to ask you to help others see the light and make themselves prepared as well. It behooves us. I have respect for anybody that can use behoove in a sentence. It behooves us to all have as many Americans awake as possible. We need as many allies as we can, as we can get, who will not be beholden to government for their survival. Yeah, that's true. Together, we can either fight what's coming because we keep fighting the good fight, even if we think our chances are slim, or to help rebuild when it's over. Katie, do you remember Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? No. You got to watch that film. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Jimmy Stewart, Claude Rains, and uh, Jimmy Stewart is the, the young uh, member of the Senate. He gets in, a, I guess somebody died and was appointed or something like that. They figured he'd be a little patsy. He'd go along with all the deep state stuff. He was like the, the Trump of, of Congress. And he has one line when he's talking to uh, Claude Rains, the older guy, the, the deeply respected, respected senator, the, 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 the virtuous one who was totally corrupt. He says, you remember the lost causes? He said the lost causes are the only ones worth fighting for. And that's what it's all about. I don't think it's a lost cause, by the way. But even if it were, I don't care, because it has to be done. What makes a lost cause not a lost cause is if you find it and start fighting. It's not that hard to do. WriteYourLaws.com. Click on legislation. Click on all proposed laws. Find the bill you like. Copy the link. Send it to Congress. 
send it to media, send it to talk shows, call talk shows with it, send it to the state legislatures, your governors, your state representatives and state senators, local media. That's it. Copy and paste. You know, five-year-old skills, copy and paste. <laughs> you know, kindergarten stuff, except you're using a computer. You all have computers. This doesn't cost you any money. You've already got the technology. You've already paid for it. We don't need you to spend money. We just need about five minutes of your time to copy bills and send them in. That is the lifeboat. That is how we get out of this. And the reason it's how we get out of this is because the elections have already been seized. See, here's the beauty of laws. And I was thinking about this yesterday, driving around yesterday. My one day of the week, I have a part-time job. And I was thinking that the elections can be stolen because they can make stuff secret. They've got these, these modems, uh, these, these internet modems and these voting machines. Machines are always corrupt um, because they can be programmed and hacked. So they can change the results of the election, and you never know until you go and investigate and do forensic audits and things like that. But the laws, the laws are like the only thing left that is truly transparent because they have to actually print the law in the U.S. code, in the state codes, the local ordinances, ordinances the local zoning, the local school regulations. They actually have to publish them. They're completely transparent. They may have a tough time reading them because they're boring and they may be overly long and they might be confusing. And that's intentional, by the way. But they're there. Anybody can read the law. So if we can change the laws that we live under, we can control them. That's how the, the allegedly powerless, us individuals, we the people, can control they the powerful, they the lobbyists, they the government, they the deep state. We take away their power by taking away their laws. They use laws to control us. What we have to do is reverse that so that we create the laws to control them. That's what it's all about. Wow. Hopefully Jonathan will call in. <laughs> I'm going to play something here. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I get lucky, Katie. Every once in a while I just I get in this mood, this mode, when this radio mode and stuff happens. All right, I'm play, uh, we'll take our second break now. Uh, and, again, and, uh, hopefully Jeff will join us and we'll know. So he usually calls in like a minute or two late. So what I'll do is, is I'll check. I'm going to play some things. Oh, here we go. Note my time, 8 o'clock. And uh, if Jonathan calls in, he usually calls in right when I start a commercial. So that's probably a good thing to do. We'll play a couple things for you. This will be our, our last commercial break. And after that, I'll just do silly things because I can. I'm going to scroll up top here. There we go. We're going to start here. This one's actually working out really well for Strikeforce. All you folks are, who are buying uh, energy drinks and using WYL, Write Your Laws, um, as, as your discount code, uh, starting to show up. So we're starting to get some, some uh, financial help from Strikeforce. So thank you for that. And here they are. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines.
Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Now i got one more to play here. This one um, has a little delay. I'm not sure how I put this in, but here we go. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements, and we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener, and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Okay, we got lucky. So there he is. I know there was uh, Jonathan might have been busy this morning, but fortunately he's here. Um, I'm kind of on a roll, and so this is this has been an amazing day. I've, I've been saving our 14th Amendment debate um, until you got here, but just just the idea, the, the title of the show today, Jonathan, um, the uh, the end, racing to the end of the world, part one, because I intend to be doing this probably over a few days. It's doom and gloom out there. People are giving up. They're they're they're, they're totally depressed. They they totally psyched out by the deep state. They're they're conditioned. They're saying, what are we going to do? Everything's, you know, it was all collapsing around us. And I keep saying, check out the first hour if you can. Uh, it's like, no, we've got a solution right here. We've got bills. We've got, we've got amazing ideas. We've got things that we can do. We can fight back and we can beat these people. I, I feel like I'm the only one saying it, Jonathan. How are you feeling this morning? Saying, saying don't panic, don't give up. Oh, I'm saying fight back with everything you've got. I'm, I'm totally different message. I'm like, you know, you know, Dan the Torpedoes, full speed ahead. Who is that, John Paul Jones? Am I getting my, my yeah. people mixed up? Or William? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's John Paul Jones. Okay, and who um, said I have not yet begun to fight? Was that him also? Well, you're, you know, I'm guessing here, but yeah, I think so. Okay, good. We, we don't always reference that stuff. So I got, I got a treat for you. We've got uh, Katie Caven, the world's greatest producer, who's going to be working with us. She's here uh, actually in studio, but away from the mic. So if you hear her shouting in the background or elbowing me or something like that to you notice on <laughs> That's, what, that's what's going on here. Jonathan's in Virginia. So he's, he's up there near D.C. So Jonathan's like the swamp on, on, the, on the edge of the gates of Dante's Inferno, right there, right there in the swamp. <laughs> well, I am, and I, I tried to get away from it. I'm a, little, I'm a little worried with the way Biden is running the war that, uh, you know, being in D.C., um, I, try, I was very happy to be out of D.C., but if you hear a high-pitched high pitch squeal, and silence, you'll know that uh, Joe Biden has managed to uh, get us into World War III. Uh, oh, did, but did you watch Failsafe so over the weekend or something? Did you, did you watch, uh, oh, I, and for Katie, my, Failsafe is a movie where the, it's a great film, Henry Fonda, but that's how you knew when everything was blowing up, the phone would have a high-pitched squeal when you get attacked by a well, nuclear bomb. I mean, not, yeah, go not ahead, this, Jonathan. Not this weekend. I, what I highly recommend is a TV series called Jericho. Oh, and not familiar. It's not what you think. 
I have no idea why it's called Jericho, but it's about a little town in Kansas called Jericho. And what's interesting is most World War III or Cold War movies are from the standpoint, you know, the command center, the situation room, the White House, the Pentagon, whereas this one is from the standpoint of just ordinary people out oh. there in the land. And then just suddenly they see this mushroom cloud over Kansas City, and they have no idea why. And the whole thing is like, so it's just a fascinating um, series about, about all this stuff. Um, oh. But no, it's not just, again, it's been on my mind for a while. Um, so, um, I mean, we're sending F-16s, and Russia is saying, look, there's no infrastructure in Ukraine. for, And, and you know, I, I predicted that, that Russia would not invade because it would be stupid. Um, but they did. Um, well, we talked and- about that. Remember, I don't know if we talked about when Dr. Peter Pryor was alive, and he talked to us about this very carefully, that before the war, for about six months before the war, he outlined clearly that Putin had six demands, and the most important, which was that Ukraine doesn't join NATO. Well, that would have been easy for well, us yes. to meet. I mean, what do we care? Uh, that would have avoided the war right there. But I, I thought, that, I thought that, that the media hysterically predicting that he was going to invade, um, that that, hit, that um Putin had accomplished what he needed to accomplish without actually invading. So I thought it would be stupid of him to, you know, he was getting, he was getting kind of the high moral ground. Then he invaded. And he, of course, it was a horrible human tragedy and, and wrong. And he lost all that he had gained by just sitting there and let it, watching the, watching the West go hysterical. So it was a horrible tragedy and, yep. and there's no excuse for it. But it was needless saying too. that there's no reason for this had to happen. It was completely avoidable too. That's the thing that killed. Oh, me. it was it was completely Obama's, um, you know, people and the warmongers and the neocons. And I mean, right. I, I've talked to these people. As I've said that they, you know, they over since 1991 and even before their attitudes about Russia. I've, I've actually heard them in, you know, one on one and in groups and in, in seminars and. There's no question that they, they just, you know, they wanted to destroy Russia because they kind of understand that Russia is not the Soviet Union. Their enemy is but, communism, uh, not people right. of a certain ethnic. I mean, basically what they're talking, basically what these Obama people are doing, these neocons, is, is ethnic cleansing. Right. It's, it's um, you know, they, their enemy was communism, not people of a certain ethnic group. And, um, but they... You know, they, they're, they're like a bunch of toy warriors who, who um, you know, who they missed, they missed the war and now they want to, you know, live in glory or whatever. So anyway, but he's saying that, um, he's saying, you know, they're saying that there's no um, infrastructure in Ukraine for F-16 fighter jets, no maintenance. Of it. So he, that necessarily means that there's going to be U.S you know, servicemen in Ukraine fighting Russia. Well, are they already I mean, with the Patriot it. missiles and some of the other missiles we have, those missile batteries? Ukrainians don't know how to use those. <laughs> well, I think we're already there. They've, been, they've claimed that, they, yeah, I mean, we've crossed it. It's amazing that Russia has not treated this as, as the U.S. is at war with Russia because basically we are. Um, and... So anyway, so I'm just don't I'm not happy. The point being, I'm not happy about being in D.C. Um, but I it was begged to come up and help with a J6 trial. And can you tell us anything about that? Or is it, mm-hmm. what, can you tell us anything about anything about what's happening? I with can, but J6 it's not. Um, it, it's a, it, well, I mean, there's a lot going on. It's a um, okay. There, there's a uh, 
um, it's an individual who um, is accused of 12 counts, including assaulting by police officers. And, you know, one of the police officers says, I'm 100% certain that it was it was uh, uh, Joe Thomas who pushed me over. And then we show the video and it's 100% certain that he's wrong. It's hmm. making, you know, making it up. They, uh, um, we just found out on Friday night that the government failed to disclose to us that an officer had testified in another January 6th case where the guy like nearby our client admits to actually being the one who shoved the police line. And the government didn't disclose that to us hmm. that, that there was that they had already accused somebody else of doing what they accused Thomas of doing. And he admitted to it, that part of it, although he said he had an excuse because um, they were trampling people under feet and he's trying to push them back up, out from, you know, from trampling people that had fallen. And, um, but he admitted to being the one who pushed it and they, the government, you know, is prosecuting two different people who both had distinctive, but different, you know, distinctive tan jackets, but the police are confusing the two. And, you know, late last night, the judges denied our motion to dismiss for failing to disclose. I mean, they're, they're just failing to disclose all this stuff all over the place. So other than that, there, there, there aren't any, you know, broad brushed lessons to be learned other than the fact that, um, you know, the government gets, a, has a high conviction rate because the government cheats um, yeah. and all the rules are, are rigged. And that should um, be grounds for dismissal. You know, if they, I think it's called exculpatory evidence, you know, information that's yeah. withheld that could, that could change the verdict or set you free. And so if they're, if they're doing that, but the problem it seems to me is that, you know, obviously the, they see, this is why, why the juries are superior to judges because the juries work for the people, judges work for the government. So these people are basically hired stooges of the government to bring about a predetermined result. They can't let these people go free. But what I want to know is what, what do you think the motivation is? What's uh, is it as simple as make an example out of these people? Do they want to crush their will and crush everybody else's will in the process from resisting? What's, what's really behind the fact that they're simply lying, throwing these people in jail. I remember Stuart Rhodes when he was on the show and I've talked about it frequently when well, he called think, from, from the prison, I mean, the Oklahoma I think prison. Yeah. I think it's a combination of things. I think people do things often for more than one reason. And, okay. and I, I think it, I think that the government has been doing this for a while, you know, way back to Ruby Ridge and Waco and, and everything like that. And yes, I think they, they, they view us as, you know, as their empire and their Caesar and you know, we're their subjects. They, they do not, oh, I mean, it's okay. pretty clear. They, it's pretty not, it's pretty much, it's very clear that they don't, see us as you know that they work for us that that's not part of their their thinking um and you know for example they've got um by the way i've got a cold so everybody everybody listening over the radio you should you should put a mask over your radio (laughs) so you don't don't i do have a mask over my microphone i've got a little spongy thing on my microphone will will that suffice okay good I, I hope so. So I, I don't want to be responsible. I think I may, you know, I'm, I'm worried about getting all the lawyers sick here, but, but uh, yeah, I don't want to get any of the listeners sick from a, over the radio. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, so, so the, um, you know, for example, there are several theories that the government keeps pushing, even though it hurts their cases, they oh. keep pushing this un-American idea of collectivism. 
that everybody in the crowd is collectively guilty. Let, let me find this, this, this amazing quote while I'm talking about it. And so they're saying that, you know, that, that you can be guilty collectively. Not, they don't have to prove well, that's individual. interesting. I've never heard this before. Guilty collectively. That's like when they talk about collective rights, which, of course, are impossible because all rights are individual. Mm-hmm. Right. And, okay. and, they, um, and they, they don't believe they have to prove um, guilt individually. They can just prove the context and, and just prove guilt by association. And in all of, people should understand that in all of these cases, the lawyers have, in fact, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't we try that? They, the lawyers have. It's just that the, the judges deny it. No matter, you know, anything in any normal understanding of the law, the judges just are not following the, the normal law. So we have to get ready to go up to appeal, which is hard. It's technically difficult. But you're um, still going up to government judges. You still get more government judges there. It's almost like we need yeah. a civilian, a civilian arbitrary. We talked about this with uh, Larry Clayman when he was on. Of, of uh, uh, he talks about citizen grand juries. I would like to have a citizen supreme court. I would like to have a, a, a supreme court jury of people. You know, and these mm-hmm. courts need civilian oversight because Congress isn't doing it, but they should. Congress should be removing these judges who are who are uh, violating procedure. But they're they're doing oh, that because you've got Marxists and geldings. I mean, it's not a good situation. But, but here, over and over again, for example, many of these, many of these um, demonstrators on January 6, 2021, arrived, um, they arrived um, after all the signs had been taken down. Mm-hmm. And well, so that was intentional. Yeah. Well, it was. I mean, and apparently there's this group, I forget what it's called, the CIA's... Um, Stad, it's called, the acronym is Stad. Um, you know, because when I saw the videos at mm-hmm. revolver.news right. and um, of the Special Activities Center, oh, the CIA oh. Special Activities <laughs> Center, you watch the what, videos what special at revolver.news. <laughs> what special activities did they do, Jonathan? <laughs> they they topple government. Okay. That, they oh, they okay. topple government. Mm-hmm. And and they um, and so when you watch the videos of what happened when the crowd approached and the Ray Epps, what they what what Darren Beatty calls the the Ray Epps breach team, because um, they're sitting Ooh. there, all these people are sitting there, they're just sitting on the wall, they're doing nothing, they're waiting and waiting because, okay. as you pointed out, the the speech went lit went was late, right? And so the crowds are just so they're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting, and then the, then the crowds start coming around the corner from Constitution on to Pennsylvania, right. and um, they, they suddenly leap up, leap into action, and in like, mm-hmm. I, think, I think Brad Geyer, Attorney Brad Geyer says like in 45 seconds, they've, they've, they've moved all the signs, clipped all the fences, and re, you know, removed all the warnings that, that there was a restriction of the grounds that day. Well, see, they're all coordinated. They all had, um, they had the radio, they had communication with each other. They all had walkie-talkie phone or something. They had, they had communication devices coordinating all this, right? And they, and they probably knew the, you know, unlike, unlike the demonstrators who wander around uncoordinated, follow different paths, they're, they're, they're saying on the radio, where are you on the text messages? Well, they should know where they are if there's a plan. Right. And um, <laughs> these guys are, yeah. So, so when I saw this, on the video. And remember, it's not revolver.news's video. 
it's what, the, what, what I'm calling civilian video. It just happened to be collected and posted under Ray Epps Part 2. Uh-huh. So people say, oh, that's Revolver News. They're right wing. No, it's not Revolver News' video. They just posted it. Right. And, um, and so when you see that, I, I, I got chills because I said, that is not the FBI. That is some unit oh. you know, we've never heard of. Okay, so the FBI so CIA did not do that. special team is what you called it? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, now and, who, was, who, uh, said, who said Ray Epps breach team? Who, that was an attorney? You said Darcy somebody? Darren, B, Darren yeah. Beatty at Revolver.News is okay. the head of Revolver.News uses the term the Ray Epps, Ray Epps breach team. Uh, I have to steal that all these, all these, and, and these are all people who've never been arrested. Right. You know, and Southwest Tower Commander is up on the, the tower um, with a bullhorn telling people, move forward, move forward, go in. Right. You know, just like Ray Epps. Um, and well, they had to have him go in. We, know, um, we talked about that as a distraction for the new listeners. The, the whole point of, of bringing Trump supporters in is so that they could bring Congress below uh, the main floor and twist their arms and make sure they voted for Brandon and that the uh, Trump electors would be discounted. Now, here's a question, though, that, that, now that you, the way you're talking about this, the, they had to time it right because they had to stop the Arizona count because Arizona was the first battleground state with Trump electors alphabetically. Uh, and they had to make it look like Trump supporters were there. So they had to, and this, this hour must have thrown them off. So this is the key. The fact that Trump started an hour late is the key to the whole thing. Because if he started on time, those Trump supporters would have been there before Arizona was taken up in the, in the count, and they could have uh, really blamed them. But because they were late by an hour, and we don't know if Trump knew this and delayed his speech or it was just an accident. That's one of those big mysteries. I asked Christina Bob. She didn't even know. Um, and remember, oh, the pipe bombs, <laughs> the pipe bombs had like an ordinary low-level clock to set them off. Right. And the clock was set to 1 o'clock. So if, 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 he, if he had not gone late, you know, the pipe bombs, if they, you know, and apparently they were real, they would have gone off, um, you know, before that. And I think, again, there's multiple things. I think um, the, um, you know, trying to trying to show the country that this is violent and the anti that the Trump people are dangerous. You know, in addition to what you say is is all part of it. Is that is that we have to have well, it's basically the Reichstag fire. No, and if people don't know what the Reichstag fire is, they need to. Um, yeah, but they didn't have people you know, there was, in the Reichstag. They, 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 they didn't have you know Jews in the Reichstag to to blame them for for you know nobody was there. It was the dead of night. This happened. They needed people for this. Now here's the question though. They had to time it so that they had enough Trump supporters on the way or close enough so that when the uh, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and now the CIA special team you're talking about, and I guess they're they right. the ones that do what they call a color revolution. I've never had a good definition. Maybe you can help me with that. But they had to go in to stop the Arizona count um, when there were enough Trump supporters around to make it look like the Trump supporters did it rather than what looks like a CIA special operations team you're talking about. Who else right. uses that? That, that. Now, any more evidence on Black Lives Matter, Antifa, uh, or FBI mercenaries, or do you think this is more of a CIA operation in total? Well, I mean, in one in one sense, it doesn't matter who did it. I mean, the fact that the fact that the the fact that um, the government is uh, you know is horrifyingly allergic, like a vampire seeing a cross. To discussion of this is, is very important, you know, but, but they won't, 
allow discussion. I mean, the court, the courts, the judges will go berserk. The, the prosecutors will go berserk in court if anybody gets anywhere near talking about this stuff. And, that's what we talk about. Um, <laughs> so we talk about it openly all the time. <laughs> I don't care. You right. Know, I mean, that's, that's the, but the, the thing is, is, you know, theoretically, it, it shouldn't matter who did it. You know, did the DNC do it? Did uh, some Soros group did it? Did the D- Deep State do it? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Well, only to, for prosecutions. Fact, prosecutions, we need to know who did it. But in terms of uh, right. No, I think. Well, I don't know if I if I agree. I think it's really important because we need to know. Well, like I, I said, I've never I, heard no. of the CIA group. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it doesn't it doesn't matter in terms of allowing us to talk about it because it could you know it could be just some private group but in fact none of these people have ever been arrested or indicted which only the government can control only the government could do that exactly see if this were a real government they would be prosecuting everybody who did the coup not everybody who who they made you know who they entrapped into helping them with the coup so this is part of this is kind of crazy they're actually prosecuting all the people that they used to they used with entrapment to make the coup happen. They should be rewarding them. Say, hey, thanks for helping us put Brandon yeah. in illegally. Really appreciate your efforts. But they're not. Right. They're prosecuting these people. Obsessively. Right. And they're using and they're blaming, fraudulent... like, for example, they're trying to say, yeah. just, 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 I mean, people, I hope people understand that when, when the Nazi um, Third Reich invaded Poland, they put troops in Polish uniforms, went across the border, and attacked a radio station. No, no, they, they, no, I'm sorry. They did put them all across the border, but then they came onto German land and attacked a small town and, and a radio station. And then they said that Poland, um, you know, started the war. And, um, you know, th- th- that's like, and, and you say, well, what does that have to do with it? Well, it's an old trick. You know, you don't, you don't have to be very clever to think up something that's been done before. And, um, and so it works. <laughs> so they, no, they're saying that, for example, yeah. they're saying that the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers had an alliance, and they, you know, they led all this. There's zero evidence of that. Yeah. There, there, there's absolutely nothing. I mean, the, the video recordings are absolutely clear that that the Oath Keepers kind of arru- arrived and stood outside after hundreds of other people had gone inside. Mm-hmm. The Proud Boys didn't get there. You know, until hundreds of other people had already gone inside the Capitol. The idea that they led anything is complete nonsense. Um, and yet but they're, they, they're yet an they, identifiable group. They're, they're the Jews of January 6th. Yeah. They're the group to be prosecuted. Yeah. And part of the reason is because Donald Trump said, you know, Chris Wallace kept badgering like a child. Donald Trump at the debate saying, you know, will you condemn um, – you know, right-wing extremists and things like that in violence. He said, he said, yes, I've done it, but I think you need to look at the left. The left wing is the problem. And, and yeah. so Chris Wallace kept saying, well, you condemn them, condemn them, condemn them, you know, and, and then Biden says, yes. And, and so Trump is ready to say, so he stops and he goes, um, he, he sort of stops and, well, who do you want me to condemn? Name someone. Tell me who, who you're talking about. And Joe Biden says, the Proud Boys. So the question huh. was, who do you want me to condemn? And, and, and Biden says the Proud Boys, and, and um, Trump says, okay, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. But the question was, who are you condemning? And they've used, they've, they've misrepresented, I mean, basically, misinterpreting things is the government's superpower. You know, twisting and misinterpreting what people said 
is, is, you know, is all they got. And so they, they come out and they say that this guy, that, that this is a conspiracy between Donald Trump and the Proud Boys, who the next day said, you know, I don't even know who the Proud Boys are. I don't know who they are. Um, so, um, they, uh, um, so they've used that to try to, because they, they want the Proud Boys to be the leaders, even though there's no evidence that they are. And so they can then say that, <coughs> that Donald Trump was responsible. Mm. And um, although the other thing, too, is that in every January 6th prosecution, mm-hmm. whomever they're defending, whomever they're prosecuting today is the leader. So, you know, today it will be, <laughs> be Thomas either. and tomorrow yeah. Smith and next day it will be Rand, and they're all the leader, according to the prosecution. Well, and, uh, oh, I've got, to find, I've got to find this quote. So, so the thing okay. is, you've got, this, you've got this guilt by association approach, uh-huh. um, and, um, and, and we've been pushing back. You've got the fact that the, the, the Congress recessed before most of these people arrived, and you know, that right now, that, that it should be dismissed. And, you know, the judges will refuse to dismiss it. Um, and are, these judges, are these judges selected or do you think they've been bribed or gotten to or, you know, the firstborns held hostage or, or why are these judges so cooperative with uh, illegal tactics and, and just supporting the I prosecution? Don't know, like, I, like I say, Carmen Hernandez mm-hmm. took over representing um, Zachary Real of the Proud Boys. And she is, she is a liberal. She is not a conservative. And she, um, you know, she is uh, uh, appalled. You know, she's just a classical due process, you know, liberal uh, criminal defense lawyer. And mm-hmm. she is absolutely appalled at all this. Because it's not, it's not going in any way like... Um, you know, like, like, it's, like it's supposed to. Well, that's the difference between a Marxist and a liberal. A liberal, you know, we may disagree on policy and, and how big the government program should be, you know, but uh, the ACLU in the classic sense believed in the First Amendment as much as conservatives believed in the First Amendment. And they would defend it. They would defend different groups than the Heritage Foundation, for example, but they still believe in the First Amendment. The Marxists don't care. They just want you prosecuted uh, legally, illegally, star chamber, you know, false evidence, well, entrapment. They don't care as long as they get their, their victory. That's the difference. That's where, that's where we're at. So anyway, okay. Judge Colling, Collier Catelli in, prosec- in, in prosecuting Jesus Rivera. Um, I only have trouble with your name. Colleen, Colleen Collier you can spell it. That's what I do when I have trouble with names. I just spell it out because <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce well, these things. So this is how she found him guilty, even though he arrived after the, the joint session of Congress had already recessed mm-hmm. and found him guilty of obstructing the, the joint session of Congress. It was already not in session. <laughs> so this is, this, is, this is endemic. I've been no, it's this just the way you describe now. it. It, it, you make it look irrational, which is what it really is, but that's why it's, it's good to have your, your characterization. Yeah. Well, I've, been, I've been putting this in pleadings for a year and a half, and nobody cares. It's time travel. Yep. They're accusing people of, 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 of an effect that happened before its cause. And that's, you know, outside of quantum <laughs> we, mechanics. We're going to call this the Mosley effect. Jonathan, you've you got you to write this down somewhere called the Mosley effect. I would I'd be, ha- I'd be honest. 
Yeah, charging something, charging somebody for something that uh, you know before it happened, <laughs> you know before it could have possibly that, happened. I would be honored because I have you know I have put in in pleadings that you know the the, the council um, is not aware that the oath keepers have a time machine that I'm aware of. Right. Um, you know, and uh, but uh, this is or a transporter, <laughs> a Star Trek so transporter that can just zap places. Yeah, this is how Judge Colleen Cotella, Collar Catelli dealt with this. The uh-huh. following metaphor is helpful in expressing what the statute does require. Just as heavy rains cause a flood in a field, each individual raindrop itself contributes to that flood. Only when all of the flood waters subside is order restored to the field. The same idea applies in these circumstances. Many rioters collectively disrupted congressional proceedings, and each individual rioter contributed to that disruption. Now, uh, because Rivera's presence and conduct in part caused a continuing interruption to congressional proceedings, the court concludes that Rivera, in fact, impeded or disrupted the orderly conduct of government business or official functions. Now, when, it, when, a criminal, when a judge presiding over a criminal prosecution has to resort to poetry, you know, <laughs> you, you, no, you, ought to, you ought to say, it's, you know what, maybe yeah. it's time to close up our briefcase and go home. Yeah. Um, but, but, of course, she, she ignores the fact that the game had already been called before the rain started. Yeah. And, well, or, the, play, the, the, the playbook was already in play. I mean, the playbook was bring Trump supporters up, bring Congress under or take Congress under the Capitol, um, twist their arms, make them come up and vote for Brandon electors to the exclusion of, of Trump electors, even though the state, the, the constitution requires that the state uh, legislatures have their, uh, have their slate of electors. That's the coup right there. Uh-huh. And that's what they're covering up. But- you know, it's your use of the word order that I think is, is uh, so telling. Uh, they don't want, they, she never says justice. She never says uh, respect for the law. She never says, you know, the correct verdict or the, the will of the people or the voice of the people or that rights have been observed. She wants order. It's the use of the word order that is very yeah. totalitarian. That's what I notice. Yeah. And so, so what they're, huh. they're, but they're, they're saying is that they're ignoring the fact that, that, you know, Rivera's raindrop didn't arrive until like an hour after the game had already been called for rain. <laughs> You've got to write that one down, too. That's hysterical. Yeah. But, but the thing is... But they've got to follow the playbook. The playbook says that Brandon's president, that Trump is guilty just because he exists, that anybody who was there January 6th must be part of a, quote, insurrection. And we know the real insurrection were the folks that were using the Trump supporters. Hey, I want to, I want to tie this up a little bit. I want to get on the 14th Amendment and this whole debt thing um, in the remaining part of our hour here. So... Do you have more on this? Um, I don't want to start changing yeah. you, but okay. So, so okay. of course we have this debt ceiling debate, uh, fight about it, and um, the the Democrats, you know, and the Democrats could, you know, they could eat. For, for example, remember we we spent trillions of extra dollars to prop up the economy during COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. At some point, <laughs> that's because they had lockdowns. In other words, they they, they destroyed the right. economy with lockdowns and masks and and, and uh, procedures, and then they they spend billions of dollars on their buds that they didn't have to spend, causing inflation, which caused the interest, which caused the bad economy that they they thought they should stimulate with more spending, which created more inflation, which ruined the economy. 
You know, that, that's my version so of what now, you just said about January 6th. Right. So now, right. But so at some point, they have to return things back to, to the previous status, but they don't want to do that. Hmm. You know, they've, 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 they've spent trillions of extra dollars. And so obviously they're going to have to unwind that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the Democrats refuse and they want, they always want a clean debt limit. And my undergraduate degree was in finance. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but. Okay. So now they're, now they're trying to argue that the 14th amendment means that the president and the government does not have to follow the debt ceiling limit. So like, <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? Now That's the 14th amendment funny. is one of the weirdest, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's caused so much trouble because it's vague. You know, they, you, ha, you start out with um, the elegance of the original, um, um, of the original um, constitution. And then you have, um, as the amendments go along, they get progressively worse, you know, worse written and, and things like that. And the 14th Amendment is perhaps the worst in terms of what the hell are they saying? Because it, Well, the first section is really good. So I didn't know there was a section wow. beyond the first section until I read it, section two or three and four. I didn't even read it in five. I didn't even notice those. I mean, I'd forgotten that they had extra sections. I always use section one, which seems to be the best one. That one actually works. Well, but it's vague and open-ended. It opens all kinds of trap doors. Okay. It's not really thought through. But again, of course, the Congress is a committee. So you know what committees are like. So to get mm-hmm. something out of committee, it makes, it makes it, you know, a stew. But Section yeah. 4 of the, of the 14th Amendment passed after the Civil War um, and because of the Civil War says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave, that all such debts, obligations, and claims shall be held illegal and void. Now remember, both the Confederacy and -hmm. the United States of America when it was, well, of course, the United States of America never recognized that the southern states had left. Right. But the United States of America at the time referred mainly to the, the northern states that they controlled and some western states. And the Confederacy was a separatist government, which obviously was a big part of the dispute. Um, but anyway, so they both issued debt, you know, war bonds. Mm-hmm. So, so this section is obviously intended to deal with you know, how do you deal with the war bonds issued by the Confederacy, particularly when the United States never admitted that the Confederacy was a separate government? Well, they um, call it insurrection. This is the fascinating thing. I just started researching it this morning, like 4 o'clock. <laughs> Excuse me. But what I found was that uh, when they speak of insurrection, the 14th Amendment, they really mean the Confederacy. Yeah, and once you realize absolutely. that, much more of this makes sense. In fact, I even have a little uh, a translation of that one paragraph that you read uh, that I sent you earlier this morning. I don't know if you have a chance to check it out, but it makes perfect sense. That is not what they're saying. The Democrats, are, as usual, are lying. But, and it's also interesting to note that the Democrats were the Confederacy. The Confederacy right. was the, the Democrat is, Party. They, yeah. The 14th Amendment cannot say um, 
that it cannot say <coughs> that they're talking about the, the debts of the Confederacy because they never recognized the Confederacy. So right. it's worded in terms of, of insurrection. Um, so basically anyone who lent money to the Confederacy would just be screwed. Um, but now let's look at, you know, what, what would probably be the first or second week of law school, you know, legal writing. Uh-huh. The, the validity, blah, 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 shall not be questioned. By whom? <laughs> yeah. you know, the passive voice, the passive voice is like a big, huge no-no in law. Huh. Who, who is it directed to? So the validity of the public debt, blah, 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 shall not be questioned. Well, by, you know, what does this mean? That's Who like the Alien it? and the Sedition Act, is, is, which is blatantly unconstitutional. It's the same kind of thing. You can't put something in the Constitution that, that something can't be questioned. And so, like I say, I'm sorry that I had forgotten this part of the 14th Amendment. I really have only ever focused on Section 1, which makes perfect sense. That's how the Bill of Rights extends to the states and, and the local governments. But this part makes no sense whatsoever. To have something in the Constitution that says it cannot be questioned. And again, I, it's a brilliant point of yours. By who? What do you mean it can't be questioned? It makes That's no like, sense. It says, yeah. Well, let me read you the. Uh, if, it says that the if it says that the Treasury will not question it, you know, that would make some sense. And maybe you could say it's implied. But, I mean, if a lender uh-huh. doesn't want to lend, are they, are they bound by this? I mean, the, Constitu- the Constitution is supposed to be res- the organization and restraint upon the, go- the federal government. Right. So can, can, Waltz, can an, an individual investor say, I'm not going to buy treasury bonds because you've gone outside, you know, I, I think it's illegitimate. So the issue is, is that you know, debt issued um, in, in excess of the debt ceiling would arguably be invalid. So, so, what, so people would say, well, the Treasury doesn't have the power to do it. Um, you know, investors aren't, gonna buy, aren't going to invest and our credit rating is, is going to drop and um, we're going to all be, you know, screwed. In, in, in the economy is going to be messed up. Um, but it doesn't say who does the questioning. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nonsense. Um, and um, well, I tried to find the original. The thing, I've actually yep. I've got the original debate, and I'm going to go research what they actually said. It's it's kind of a long document, and I did that with the uh, subject to the jurisdiction clause, and it made perfect sense. But this is this is okay. But so yeah. So Biden, Biden, you know, kind of bringing up the rear of the debate <laughs> is saying that you know I don't have to. I, I can ignore the debt limit, ceiling the debt ceiling, because of the Fourteenth Amendment. So now let me read to you Section 5. Okay. The, the con, and mo, many of the amendments have this. The, <clears throat> excuse me. The Congress shall have the power to enforce, by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article. What is the debt ceiling? The debt ceiling is Section 5. So co- co- Congress has the power to modify... Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, so where Section 4 says the validity of the public debt shall authorized by law shall not be questioned, Section 5 says, oh, but Congress can, can, can pass laws implementing this. And they did. It's called the debt ceiling. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, see, here's, 
here's the question, though, and this is the thing that's bugged me. Uh, they're doing it backwards. They're saying we have to raise the debt ceiling to meet our obligations. But according to debt ceiling law, those obligations could not have been made. So they're not made legally. Well, you know, I, I give that, an example. That's the other part of it. Yeah, okay, I agree. Well, I get, yeah, I gave this example before you came on, that if you have a $10,000 credit, limit, wanted, all right, go ahead. Yeah. Tell me what you want to do first. First, I wanted to get, go through the, 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 the argument of the amendment so people know what's sure. going on. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, they, so they're saying we have to pay our bill. Well, if you, like you say, if they, if they spent money within the previous debt limit, uh-huh. then why do they need to raise it? Yeah. So they're saying that, they're saying that, that they spent money illegally in excess of the debt limit. Right. Otherwise, why do they need to raise the debt limit to pay their bills? My point exactly. You could, they, couldn't have, they couldn't have spent beyond the debt limit because it was, a, it was over the debt limit. So to say that they have to do right. that now, they, they, so in other words, they've already committed a crime, and they want the government to authorize that crime by saying that crime is now legal. I, I, or, perhaps they, or perhaps it's just false that they need to raise the debt limit. Well, that to, I believe. Uh, well, they could cut the spending. They could cut the obligations. I mean, how much unspent COVID money is there? Of the trillions that they borrowed, right? How much of that has not been spent could be returned to the country? Or how much spending could be spent? See, oh, you sound terrible. Um, see, none of the COVID spending was necessary. This is the thing that kills me. None of it was necessary. We had early treatments. There was no need to spend right, any money on COVID. Go ahead. I don't know, but I know it's a, it's a huge amount that's right. never been spent. And, um, and the other thing, too, is they say, well, you know, someone, uh, a Republican was on TV explaining that um, on the Treasury bond, if we pay interest payments, which are called the coupons, mm-hmm. you, have, you buy right. a Treasury bond of reasonable size, and there literally used to be coupons that you clip and you send them in and you get your, your installment payments. As long as we're making the installment payments on time, we're not in default. It means there may not be lots of money to spend on boondoggles, but, um, but the, the, the debt is not going to default. There's enough cash flow to keep the debts current. Um, what, what is at issue is mm-hmm. more origins of more spending. Um, but we've defaulted a couple of times. Didn't we default like twice in the 70s, I heard, uh, or once in the early 80s? We've defaulted before. Our credit rating well, went down from AAA to AA. We have defaulted. Yeah, I think, no, I think, well, I don't know. But I think because what they're saying is it, it casts into doubt, they can drop it. But I don't, as long as they're making current payments on the debt, it's, the debt's not in default. Huh. You know, they, they, well, the, the, the Treasury bonds have maturity dates. Yeah, but the default's no, but the listen, the, the Treasury bonds okay, have a maturity date, which might be right. 20, 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to pay back the principal today. All they have to do is make – it's like your mortgage. You don't have to pay your entire mortgage. You have, you, you have to pay your regular mortgage payments. Yeah. And, and one, one congressman was arguing we have enough cash flow uh-huh. to pay our um, – to pay our um, – to keep those debts current, except for the fact that interest rates are now, you know, going A lot higher. So how did that figure yeah, in? So five. did that multiply the amount that was owed, or did it multiply the, quote, obligations because the interest rates well, are so much higher, thus making those obligations that much more expensive. Well, it's actually kind of complicated because if, okay. if I, if, if, if I bought, you know, if I, if I had won the lottery, like I had planned to 30 years ago, 
and I'm very cross at the lottery people that oh, my no. plans didn't. Um, and, and I had bought, let's say I bought a million dollars of treasury bonds right. at um, whatever they were, you know, two percent interest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so they're worth a million dollars plus I'm getting two percent interest every year. Then the interest rate goes up to nine percent. What happens in the stock market is the value of those bonds go down. Right. Because because I because I can someone can can today take a million dollars and buy a nine percent bond, so my two percent bond is worth less. Right. That's why the bank. That's why the banks are failing. You know the what the uh, Silicon Valley Bank and everything else is because the the market value of their bonds is going down because the interest rate's going up and so and but that's not. But that's but it's like stock. You know, if you, if your stock price drops by half, you don't lose money until you sell your stock. Are they forced to sell their bonds at this point, or why? Why is the, the lower? How does this? Well, I don't out? know about the banks, but I assume it. I assume it's because of regulation. They have to. They have to have a certain amount of money on, on um, hand. Um, you know, I, I think there's. I think there's a lot more regulatory failure than, huh. than, than they're, rec- they're recognizing. I mean, but. And the thing is, so does it, I mean, they may have other reasons why they have to go out and borrow at 9% when their things are less valuable. I mean, I, I don't know the nitty-gritty detail, but in broad brushstrokes, that's it. I'll ask, I'll ask Derek about it on Friday, but, but this, see, this is the other part of the self-inflicted thing. They never had to borrow the money. They never had to do the mandates. They never had to shut down the economy. They never had to create inflation. They never had to do any of this, and there's no reason for the banks to fail. These are all... Con- this, these are all conscious acts by people to, to do this. I don't know if they intended every, every consequence is happening now, but they certainly should have known better than spending trillions of dollars uh, and creating mass inflation. That just causes all kinds of problems, and now with these bank failures. But I got, I got a couple more questions for you. We've got about uh, 12 minutes left. I, wanna, I was thinking, I was reading actually uh, not just the 14th Amendment, but Article 1, Section 8. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 2, says that Congress shall have the authority uh, to borrow money on the, on the uh, credit of the United States. Now, that's where I have our constitutional amendment, which, which deletes that phrase. So they don't have um, the ability to borrow money. But what it doesn't say is that Congress has the ability to create a national debt. So if, the way I was reading this, it says Section 8, uh, Article 1, the Congress shall have the power to da, 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 borrow money on the credit of the United States. Nothing in Article 1, Section 8 authorizes Congress to carry money over a fiscal year. It doesn't authorize a national debt at all. And the Tenth Amendment is really clear which says the powers not specifically delegated are reserved to the states and the people. So the states, well, most states by constitution can't have, a net, can't have a debt either. But there's nothing in the constitution in the articles, not talking about the amendments, but there's nothing in the articles that gives Congress the power to carry money over a fiscal year or to actually incur a debt. It says they can borrow money, Well, that's great. But shouldn't they have to pay it back in a timely fashion so that it doesn't accumulate a debt since they do not have a constitutional authorization to create a national debt in the first place. What do you think? Well, you're, you're, I, th- I think you're those, one of those people who ask pesky questions who get sent <laughs> to the gulag first. Um, I try my best, John. They, um, <laughs> it's like, well, that's, you know, we don't want to hear that. Um, yeah, okay. But, but, yeah, no, I think that's a val- I mean, the thing is, there's different ways. I mean, there's different ways to, to look at the Constitution. I think, like, France's uh-huh. Constitution is, 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 is enormous and very precise, like a statute. Right. <laughs> and the U.S. Constitution is looked at 
as broad brushstrokes. But, you know, that, but, but that's a matter of, that's where we have, you know, arguably people talk about we've got three different constitutions over time because the way, the way you read it. Do you read it to say precisely what it says or do you read it to say like, oh, let's, you know, it just like opens the door to, um, you know, general concepts. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I think it would depend on how you interpret it, how you want to read it. Um, and um, <clears throat> so okay. um, I got I got Pianchi in the line, so I'll bring him in a second. But yeah, this right. I've got a bunch of articles. I'm gonna pick this up again tomorrow. Um, but it's bogus. What they're saying is completely bogus. And besides, we know the president can't spend money. We know that all revenue bills have to start in the House. So the idea that the president can authorize spending, you know, unilaterally, that's that's blatantly unconstitutional right there. So why is this 14th Amendment even a question when we know that he can't do it? Besides the fact he's not a legal president, but just, even if he were a legal president, he still could invoke the 14th Amendment and spend money on his own. Presidents can't well, I, do that. I, I've, told, I've told you the reason. Their, their parents didn't spank them as children. They're like, wow, okay, I, I want to. That. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> wow, they want, I want to. Um, in fact, my sister, when she was 11, I, t- I watched her for like about 10 days while my, um, in, in New York while she was um, – well, my mom took a break, and we ran. Right. We at this on the last day, we ran out of money. So Randall wanted an orange juice, and 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 I said, well, we don't have any money for it, just, but it's good for you. Now she was a child, but your idea was, well, it doesn't matter that we don't have the money; it's good for you to have orange juice. So anyway, um, anyway, so let me just let me just point out that, that you know when they, when the Democrats are saying we have to raise the debt limit to pay our bills. Right. That means that they, they, they spent more money than the previous debt limit allowed. Right. That's illegal. That's, that's, that's my point is that. that's illegal. So they're actually trying yeah. to legalize an illegal act by raising the debt ceiling to accommodate their crime. That's like saying, well, the bank really gave me the money uh, that I took at gunpoint. That's what they're saying. So it was okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I like that's a good way to put it. Well, thank you. Yeah, I just thought of it. <laughs> I had my moments too. Pianchi, what do you want to add to this? And we got uh, Dorothy coming up at the top of the hour. Well, top of the hour, I got to go to my state capital and talk to some representative senators. But you're absolutely right. The Congress should not be raising the debt civil to go above the previous raising of the debt civil. Well, let me ask Wait, you this. Why do you think that uh, no one's talking about the fact that they shouldn't have raised the – they shouldn't have spent the money in the first place, that they couldn't do it? They couldn't spend more money than the debt ceiling allowed because that's what a debt ceiling is. No one's talking about that. They're, they're looking at the other end. Yeah. Checking. States have to run a, a balanced budget. So therefore, is that by the Constitution? Where, where is that? Do, do the states do that themselves? Because they that... can't print money. Oh, Okay. Thank you. That makes sense. So states can't print money. So the states should be on Congress with this runaway spending that they have. And matter of fact, there is some issues that's being put forth to try to curtail that. But mm-hmm. that's where it all begins as far as this particular topic is concerned and many others, is that states are not putting those demands on Congress to stop spending money like it does. 
in, you know, in order to do and see, in yeah. order to bring everything back into perspective, guess what? You gonna have to start cutting some things. You're going to the steakhouse four times a week is going to have to stop because it's spending money that you don't have. Yeah. Hello, Jonathan. Jonathan? Oh, I don't know if you heard that. Oh, yeah. I thought I was done. Oh, no, you're not done. No, we still got a few minutes. And, and Pianchi, I've got uh, I've got a new producer here, uh, Katie Cavins, in the studio with me in the Action Radio Man Cave. And so uh, she's taking notes and uh, learning how the board works and things like that. So you'll, you'll be able to talk to her pretty soon, too. Uh, so that, that's pretty All cool. Right. No, but yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. – I mean, the thing is, the thing is they um, – no, the Republicans seem to have more backbone than they've had in a century. But – they're still allowing them to get away with this nonsense that we have to pay our bills. Now, why do the Democrats talk like that? Do they care about paying bills? No, they think that Republicans will fall for it because it sounds economically responsible. So they're saying that we have to pay our bills because, oh, because they well, have caricatures. Too. They're lying, too. The, the Republicans are lying to the yeah. the Democrats. They're all lying about this. Nobody is saying the obligations they made were illegal. That's the core of this. That's the root of this right. problem. So therefore, right. just cut the obligations back. Just take the take away the illegal obligations. Why? You know, there shouldn't be any thought of that. Not even my own congressman, Matt Gates, has made that comment. In fact, I want to go talk to him about it personally. Dude, why don't you get up and say what you something bold? Said that they could not have made those obligations. They didn't have the money. It exceeded the debt ceiling. That's illegal. Why is that so hard to say, gentlemen? I don't know. And I think it, I think it should be easy to say. Like, look, we spent ungodly amounts of money to keep COVID-19 from wrecking our economy. Mm-hmm. And now COVID's over, but COVID's mm-hmm. not really over until we put things back the way we found them. You know, we have, we have to, you know, we're still on, we're still in, in, in the COVID crisis as long as, you know, we, ha- we don't unwind. Well, you know, the yeah, overspending. Jonathan, I don't think they want him back as it was. I, I've long oh, believed that the whole, the whole COVID policy was really to implement a socialist national health care top to bottom. You know, Dr. Fascists and the health Nazis, you know, have absolute control of people. You know, wasn't it Mao that said that the, the, the road to communism is through medicine? Well, he said a barrel of a gun. Lenin probably said through medicine. Any one of them did. One, one of, the, one of the, uh, the, the communist leaders said that. You control people's health care. You control everything. You control their lives. Yeah, and COVID is also to go against Donald Trump, too, because it disrupted the normal patterns of voting. Well, that raises a great point, Pianchi, because they were planning to do COVID anyway. So, yes, it was used against Donald Trump. Would they have done it it with Obama still in office, or would they have delayed COVID until a Republican came in? What do you think? No, because some of these ideas are probably coming from Obama. I mean, when you start talking about the 14th Amendment, it smells of him. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, actually, that, that, that does make a lot of sense. Well, he said, if Congress isn't going to act, I've got my pen and my phone. I'll just do it myself. I mean, that's, that's right there. He can't do it himself. Huh. Jonathan, what do you think? I agree. It does sound like Obama and his, and his think tank. Think tank. Okay. But, but remember that the, that the debt ceiling is the 14th Amendment implemented by Congress according to Section 5. So Congress said, we all, you know, Congress passed the debt limit under for the 14th Amendment. So the argument is a, it's a bad argument. But that won't stop them from saying whatever. Huh. 
But the thing okay. is, if you're, if you're an investor mm-hmm. and they start borrowing money under a dubious constitutional argument, are you going to put your money into those bonds? No, I'm running. I'm, exactly. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, let me, I want to get something just real quickly here that uh, came up earlier. We're talking about the 14th Amendment, that first clause, that the validity of the public debt, yada, yada, yada. I found this website, which I put on uh, our economics page, my page, and Jonathan, I sent it to you, from the Constitutional Law Reporter. And this guy has the Travis translation uh, of the Constitution. And so let me just read the two paragraphs real quick. The one in the Constitution says the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services, da, 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 shall not be questioned. And we talked about that. So the translation of that whole paragraph, and I didn't read the whole paragraph, he says any money the United States owes for paying pensions or pays for help in stopping a revolt shall not be questioned. Neither the United States nor any state can pay any money for helping for help in rebelling against the United States, that would be the Confederacy, and no state or the United States will pay for a lost or freed slave. In fact, all such bills, you know, all such bills, obligations, and claims are not legal. So the only thing that says that can't be questioned is paying uh, uh, pensions uh, or, paid, or for help in stopping a revolt, in other words, the Civil War. That's what they're saying. This is not a right. national the debt. It's not a debt authorization. It's yeah, go ahead, yes, The revolt was the Civil War. You're absolutely yeah. right. It had anything to do with no January 6th type actions. Well, how much national debt? I mean, they had a debt from the war, but the, the, the Union had, the, had a debt, and the, the Confederacy, obviously, I'm sure it had a debt. Of course, I don't know, what, I, I don't know how they, they figured out what to do with that, but they, you know, they borrowed money to fight the war. That's the debt they're talking about. But, Jonathan, do you know if there was there much debt before the Civil War, and there was there much debt after the Civil War? I don't think there was a lot of government borrowing. I, I well, yeah, the, because Lincoln, Lincoln okay. was pissed off because the banks wanted to charge what he considered an exuberant interest rate, and that's oh. when he issued those greenbacks. The Fourteenth Amendment began with Justice Taney's uh, decision in the Dred Scott case. That's right. because the Supreme the Court. Court yeah, the Supreme Court helped create it, create the mess. Well, they usually do that. Yeah, now, Katie just pointed there out on uh, Broadway. It was a court there on Broadway in St. Louis, across from the cathedral. Katie was just saying our our, our debt was sixty four million dollars before the Civil War, before they started borrowing. That's nothing. Well, even in in, in you know eighteen hundred dollars, that's still not that much. It wasn't even a billion dollars of debt. We had uh, sixty four million. So the debt really didn't. Get, so the debt, I don't think, really got going until after 1913. So the idea that a provision. Let me, the let me grab Katie's phone. Okay, so here we go. 64.8 million in 1860, the year before the American Civil War started, the U.S. government debt was 64.8 million. Once the war began, debt grew quickly. Well, always does in war. The financial cost of the war was significant, totaling an estimated 5.2 billion dollars. The government had to come up with new ways to pay for this expensive war. So from 64 million to 5.2 billion, that's a big change. Many orders of magnitude. So that's why they had to have, I guess they felt they had to have the 14th Amendment to cover all this stuff. And then the debt went down again because government you know, didn't have that many responsibilities. Uh, and then, of course, 1913 with the Income Tax Act and everything else, all the socialist programs, it went up again. Thanks, Katie. Well, I don't think the, I, I, the, the 14th Amendment was really about the, was the Dred Scott case. Now, if they've seen an opportunity to add those other sessions, then that could be arguable. 
but uh, Section Five was not in in uh, the dream to bring about the Fourteenth Amendment. It was definitely on the Dred Scott decision. Well, it's, it's the Christmas tree effect. They say, you know, they have a, an attractive bill or amendment, and they lard it up with other things. Yeah, like I said, they should have stuck with Section 1. Gentlemen, let's uh, finish yeah. up. i got Dorothy on the line. We're going to totally – All right, know, i got to go. This is Politics and Sex Monday, so we're going to switch from politics to sex. And all right, i got to go. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. All right. Let me get, uh, let me get Dorothy. This is the biggest change in, in, uh, that we do all week is uh, from our intense uh, discussions. Um, you know, in the legal stuff. And the 14th Amendment is huge. I'm going to do more on that tomorrow. I'll give you some more background. I'll have many things to talk about uh, as we do that. But let's play it, uh, Dorothy's theme, and then we'll bring her on. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Good morning, Dorothy. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing really well. How are okay, you? Okay, good. I'm having a great time. I actually have a treat. Uh, we have our new producer uh, in studio, uh, Katie Caven. So she's watching the board, mm-hmm. seeing how I do things, and she'll be producing and talking and screening and uh, doing all kinds of amazing research projects and things like that. She's a bit away from the microphone, but you know, certainly say hi. Feel free. That's very exciting. I'm glad you have um, good help and she's support there. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. That's going to make it easier for you. I don't know how to stop these dinging sounds. I bet your new producer. So this is the, the Dorothy and Diana dinging report now. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Mike, I don't know. Yeah, I really just need someone to follow me around with technology and just I just can just hand it to them and say, help. Yeah. So, Sounds good. Well, before you get started, I have some really good news. We, we have a new sponsor. Mm-hmm. We have a new sponsor just for your oh. report. Yeah, this really? is really exciting. So. We do. So let me play the commercial and then we can uh, get right back to it. Okay. Hello, men. Have you reached that point in life where you just don't feel like the guy you used to be? We've all seen the ads. World-class athletes tell you that you can be just like them by taking some chemical into your body. Well, Diana Industries has a better product for you. Man slowing down. Dorothy Diana's Blue Balls of Happiness. You heard right, Dorothy Diana's Blue Balls of Happiness, the secret to natural testosterone growth and every other kind of growth for men, is immersing your gonads in freezing cold, icy water. Trust me, you'll love it. Here's how it works. First, get a glass of ice water. Then take the enclosed container, which looks somewhat like a woman's hand, and fill it to the top line of happiness. Then plunge your manhood generators in for a cooling and invigorating massive boost to your hormones and potential. She will be so happy with the results, next time she'll even make the ice water. Dorothy Diana's Blue Balls of Happiness, another fabulous product from Diana Industries, available at most hardware stores, sex shops, and middle school libraries in the porn section. Remember men, blue is the color of manhood. 
Sorry, Dorothy. I couldn't resist. <clears throat> That's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not really a sponsor. You just kind of made something no, funny no, I was, about the I was playing a joke on you. Yeah. Well, mm. I, I still think it's the funniest thing in the world. We talked about this a few weeks ago, how, how ice water, you know, boosts testosterone. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, it has such a detrimental effect to everything else. I, you know, I'm sorry I had to play with it. And then suddenly I was just thinking Dorothy Diana's Blue Balls Happiness. And then once I had that line, I had to run with it. It's just, it's just what we do mm. here. Now, if, if you object strenuously, I won't play it again. But I think it's a story. Oh, no, fun. I don't. I okay, don't good. care. I think it's cute. It doesn't bother me yeah, at all. All right, good. So all right. Um, I, think you have <laughs> I have another one for you, too. Sometimes I'm like, um, does Greg need another hobby? Okay. <laughs> How do I make that stop? Let me play you one more just to let you know. I picked on Pianchi first. Stop. What's it? Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Well, think well, of it like the sensors. That's, that's the FBI ch- chime. So we'll call it the FBI chime. I have a 15 year old tech expert. I'm going to just call on him and tell him to stop. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about the feminine gaze gallery, which I think is a very interesting phenomenon. So when you're ready for that, let me know. We're talking about the importance of the, of the feminine gaze. I'll listen to that now. Um, I'll, I'll play the Yankees commercial and, later. But I made one for him, too. No, go ahead and play job. it. Go ahead and play okay. it. I will, I will find me, my 15-year-old briefly and have him turn off the dinging. Well, that sounds good. Uh, so, Pianchi was talking, we're talking about uh, Justin Trudeau uh, and the governor of Virginia um, going in blackface. These are white guys going in blackface. And he said to me, and this is, I was on the floor laughing so hard. He says, Greg, he says, you know, I know what this is like. I said, every morning I have that same problem. I have to put on that white shaving cream, and I have to go in white face, all right? So, and, you know, so Pianchi's black, and, uh, and I'm just dying laughing. He's like, yeah, white face, that's great. So I had to run with that with a commercial, too. So that's when I came up with this and played it for him like a couple of days later. Um, this is <laughs> Pianchi's picture-perfect face-saving shaving cream. Here we go. It's morning, and you are a proud black man. You go to the mirror. You are reminded of Governor Northrop of Virginia and Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada, both of whom appeared in blackface. And there you are. You just put on your shaving cream. And what do you see? Whiteface. It's bad enough that leftist aspiring dictators are choosing to go in blackface, but you, proud black man, have no choice but to appear in whiteface every morning you shave. Now, direct from Pianchi Laboratories, comes a great new product made especially for you, proud black man. Pianchi's picture-perfect face-saving shaving cream. Yes, Pianchi's picture-perfect face-saving shaving cream will give you your black face back during your morning shave. For Pianchi's picture-perfect face-saving shaving cream is the first-ever black shaving cream. Pianchi's picture-perfect face-saving shaving cream comes in three shades. Dark, darker, and darkest. So now, proud black man, you have a choice. You can stay in white face every morning, or you can join black men everywhere and choose Pianchi's picture-perfect face-saving shaving cream every morning. See all the fun we have here? Very cute. Um, you have so much fun. Okay, so tech experts have stepped in. They have solved uh-huh, my good. issues, as always. I don't know what i do without them. And no I don't have to pay them. I just have to give them muffins and things like that and rides to their friend's house. Um, I'll say, so they will work so, for muffins? That's a great company slogan. Oh, so, 15-year-old tech so experts helpful. will work for muffins. That's, that's a good thing. My yeah. boys are the most helpful. Oh, my goodness. They always Hi, remind me of how wonderful, how wonderful the masculine is, like how ready to help, how ready to step in, how ready to be useful, mm-hmm. how I keep telling you. really mm-hmm. eager, eager mm-hmm. and um, willing to make a woman's life easier and make her happy. And I feel like when women start to see that and really recognize that, um, 
they're just, they're just going to soften. Women will just soften and melt and be receptive and, and the walls will come down. I, I don't know. It's just, I think that we're raised in this culture to kind of have a certain view of, um, we've talked about this, of the masculine and feminine and what uh-huh. our roles are and, <clears throat> you know, to do everything for ourselves as women and don't rely and, you know, all the messages about men out there. And when you really open your eyes and notice and sit back and watch and just soften and allow what's natural to be, it's, it's just amazing how beautiful the men are and how helpful and and just wanting to, to please. Don't and, make my day. This is great. This goes against every toxic, you know toxically it. masculine you know message true. that's out there. So some more yeah. women need to start saying this, and it would be very true. Well, here's a question for you, too. Um, I, I believe we do have a basic nature. I believe we're wired. I think women, you know, women are wired a certain way in certain things, and men are wired. There's variations and there's endless complications. And, you know, I, re- I recognize that. But I think guys are wired to be helpful. You know, if, if yeah. you're shipwrecked on an island, it's the men who are going to have, you know, the, the, the knife attached to the stick and go bring a boar home for dinner. <clears throat> it's the men who are going to build the shelter. Uh, it's the men who are Men are be, wired to be helpful we just and are. useful. And, um, and, and we don't mind doing And it. when you realize that, I, I, you know, women, I, a lot of women are going through life miserably because they haven't realized that. But what I did want to talk about today is mm-hmm. – um, the masculine gaze and the feminine gaze. And I think this became popular in the film industry originally, but that's not how it became known to me. So for me, I learned about the gaze, gaze, gaze. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 um, when I learned about the feminine gaze was in my dance practice where we, you know, reignite the feminine and we, um, it's a somatic healing and we, move very beautifully and curvy and it it looks like exotic dance, but it's very healing. And we have something that I do with my students called the feminine gaze gallery. And when I first started taking this practice 20 years ago, I didn't quite understand why we were doing this fully. I think I just thought, Oh, this is so fun. We're cheering for the women that are dancing. And what it involves is as these women learn to move their bodies. And first we do a very technical movement training to music and a lot of verbal cues and emotional cues drawing on the feminine geniuses then i start we start to pull back as teachers a little bit very intentionally and very specifically pulling back little by little encouraging them to have their own free flowing movement based on the language we've already taught them the body language we've taught them so they end up eventually doing free dance essentially but it's really embodied free dance when they start doing free dance the rest of the women in the room that they've now worked with for a long time that they're very comfortable with um, gather in what we call the feminine gaze gallery. And so when I used to take this practice back in Los Angeles many years ago, it was just fun for me to dance and have all the women I knew like cheering and saying, Oh my gosh, that's so hot. Yes. And I didn't really get it. Why? You don't want guys cheering for um, you doing the same thing? That's so hot. You're wonderful. We, you know, we're not talking this, about men, the masculine gaze right now. We're talking about the feminine. I, will, I, I promise I that, I'll talk I'm about the saying, masculine gaze. Is, no, but what's interesting that's where is I'm that going it, with it, it is separate. It, 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 this that's works where I'm going. In yeah. your context, having just women doing the, the, the dance and the free movements, right? This is, this is where I'm going with this, why, why it's different and why we do it. Um, okay. So... So at the time I was, I, and, but I have to frame it sort of with a story. That's why I'm, I'm hopefully it's not too long of a story, but <laughs> I do talk a lot. <laughs> but, so, we got an hour. Dorothy, that's why we have an hour. Take your time. Take, tell the story you want. <laughs> I love your stories. So, so, so as I was dancing back then, 20 years ago, 
you know, we just do what the teachers say. We don't question much. We're like, okay, this is important. It's important for you to, and the teachers would tell us, really let them know when you feel their story they're telling. Really let them know when you're do, they're doing something that really resonates in your heart. And really, I was pretty young, and like, we were just cheering when we saw our friends dancing. Like, they would choose a song, and then they would dance on their own or with someone else, like, at another area, like if they didn't want to be the full focus of attention, not all women do, mm-hmm. they would ask someone else to dance at the same time if they weren't alone. But either way, our job as the Feminine Gaze Gallery was to let them know how much we love their dance. And so what we were kind of understanding back then is that women need to be seen and felt. And so let there's no mirrors in our dance rooms. We do not have mirrors because we, we are we are sisters' mirrors, right? So everything's very intentional. Mm-hmm. So that was a beautiful thing. And what you learn is how to recognize beauty in other women, how to celebrate it, <clears throat> and how important it is for the sisterhood to support each other moving through the world. It's very important. We're raised in our culture kind of to compete with each other and mm-hmm. to be prettier and the prettiest and the skinniest. But instead, what if we went through the world as women really noticing other women and the beauty they bring. Even if your cashier at the grocery store looks like she doesn't do a lot of self-care, that she's addicted to chemicals and food, even if she has an appearance of, of a woman that um, doesn't really feel very good about herself, is her hair shiny? Does she have a nice, friendly smile? Did she make you feel like she cared how your experience was? Like whatever you can notice, say it, because women need that. The feminine spirit needs that. So as you were yes, saying, there's a masculine gaze, and the masculine gaze is more well, about how does that, it look on the surface. Mm-hmm, go ahead. Yeah, no, before you get to that, because there's a line in Bruce yeah. Springsteen's song, women dress up for each other. Uh, you remember that line? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the women dress up for each other. Do, do, do. I forgot the rest of the song, but it's, it's some cool old Bruce Springsteen song. And so this is a line recognized recognized, that uh, the competition between women, look at Mean Girls. You know, I mean, the, the competition yes, exactly. is, is pretty fierce. And it's, it's not a – see, guys, when we compete, we're, we just insult each other. It's very overt. Even if we fight. Actually, a lot of guys who fight become best friends. It's kind of funny because uh, there's a respect there that we actually, you know, took each other on yeah. and you know, met the mm-hmm. challenge. That's a guy thing. It's but a, uh, but a women, connection. Yeah. You guys, you guys fight, you know, underhanded, behind-the-scenes, dirty conversation, eavesdrop, gossip. You know, it's, it's a whole different world. Women's world is really weird. And that's not really natural. So that, that's been, oh, that's been okay. sort of, that, I'm going to just say, and this uh-huh. is another topic, but I've done a lot of research on this when I was raising my kids when they were young. Right. Competition is a culturally imposed phenomenon. So in like indigenous tribes, competition, the purpose of competition is to increase the skill level of each member of the tribe. So the overall okay. point is to increase the strength of the tribe. And it's done in a very different vibration. It's a very different feeling and energy than competition in our culture. And it's very masculine, very masculine with wonderful purpose. It has a great purpose. It fulfills, mm-hmm. however, in our world that has been masculinized way too much for balance and health for all of us. No, I'll, I'll challenge you okay. on that at okay. some point. Okay. No, not right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that later. Yep. But this one example is the masculine gaze versus the feminine, and there's a, there's a reason. There's, there's a reason that that happens. So when, you know, prior to the agricultural revolution, when things were much more egalitarian and matriarchal, um, and then once you start owning land, the people at the top say, "Well, how can we get more land? How can we be? How can we be?" as powerful and owning more things than others as possible. And in order to do that, you have to make the gods 
um, very masculine and you have to kind of step by step put in so the culture, much more masculine energy, much more competition, and in fact, dark masculine energy. So the shadow masculine, not even the healthy masculine, right? And so that's happened over many, many years now. So here we are still steeped in a world where how it looks, what you've achieved, what grade you got, are you the best? Are you the fastest? Forget about how you feel inside. Forget about authentic human connection. Forget about anything um, spiritual. Really what we applaud generally as a culture is very masculine and not even always healthy masculine attributes. Does that make sense? It does, but there's two different things that come immediately to mind. Uh, When you talk about Mm -hmm. uh, competition and and glory and achievement and all that kind of stuff, Uh, there's self-accomplishment, which I believe is true masculine, and then there's – recognition of accomplishment and those who want recognition you know like obama was always saying i i i me 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 this is everything i've done and trump would say i want a better america uh, not trying to win mm-hmm. his politics but it's That's two different right. ways of doing it uh, i'll tell you yeah. when i was uh when i was taking lessons uh in high school i didn't really tell a lot of people uh if i was an egotistical kind of person i would say hey i'm taking flying lessons i'm going to fly an airplane i never told it i didn't tell people when i soloed except for a few people a couple of really close friends now, what are you doing this weekend well, i'm flying an airplane i'm by myself you're what? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I didn't think it was a big deal until a student friend of mine got a huge write up in the local paper for just taking lessons. And I already saw it. It's like, wait a minute, dude, you, you didn't even do anything yet. You still got your instructor on board, you know, but his, his parents or he wanted the recognition. They wanted the public, the public recognition of, of this accomplishment. And I think the, the best sense of masculine would be the personal you know, I mean, I need public recognition for Action Radio to accomplish our goals. We need millions of people to send in bills to have an impact. So in that case, the public recognition is necessary. But do you make that distinction? I do that there's self-accomplishment and then there's like public recognition accomplishment, because I think that's the the, the, the the two flip sides of the same masculine uh, trait, one good, one not so good. If all you're doing it is for is the recognition. Right. So I love to talk about the healthy masculine and the shadow masculine and the healthy feminine okay. and the shadow ma- feminine. So there's a broad range of what is masculine and some of it is helpful and service to others energy and some of it is service to self energy in a dark way. And so, and some of it is sort of like there's, there's areas that are sort of hazy, a little bit of one, a little bit of the other, but um, definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is a gaze? When so you the say masculine gaze, gaze still, is, is how it no, looks. No, just a gaze. Just the word gaze. I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. uh, not quite clear on the concept of what a gaze is. Yeah. Are we actually looking at something or is it, uh, are we giving off yeah. something that people are looking at? What, how does this work exactly? No, you're looking how the world is viewed through the masculine eyes. Oh, okay. Now yeah. makes so, sense. So, yeah. so through the masculine eye, the masculine mm-hmm. eye, and again, but we, we have to try to get rid of the fact that the ma- we have to try to like eliminate from our brain that masculine means men necessarily. It's an energy. Right. So everyone embodies some some a little bits of both, more of one usually than the other. But the Hillary Clinton strikes me more... as a very masculine energy woman. Just as an Who? example, Hillary Clinton. Okay, all right. Total masculine so energy. So perhaps yeah. I don't know. I guess so. I mean, it looks like okay. she went to law school and we, we don't talk politics. But I just, in, just well, as she was example, probably of... deeply steeped in push, being pushed towards her masculine. So when a woman is oh. pushed towards her masculine from a young age. And the feminine is ignored, whether she has a, a parent that was not in touch with her feminine, the nurturing parent didn't exist. There's a lot of reasons. It, 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 it's not a well-balanced adult woman. And, um, well, that's for very sure. Hard on her, her, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't it's very hard on her daughters, usually. Yeah. It's very, there's a lot yeah. of toxicity there that really oh. affects intimate relationships. But um, so the masculine gaze, how does, it, how does it look on the surface? 
what can I achieve? Um, what can it do for me? What, what gifts will it give to me? Like what um, the obtaining, the obtaining gaze. And in film, the masculine gaze uh, usually means um, when it comes to a woman, sexual, voyeuristic, um, mm-hmm. not really seeing a woman um, for who she is, but more just objectifying. And I'm not trying to be sexist here, but this is in film. So traditionally in film, the idea of the male gaze came from feminist film authors, feminist, feminist scholars in film. So um, let, me, let me jump in here for a second, because when I was yeah. raising my daughter, we went through the entire uh, decades from the 30s. Actually, I think we even start with the 20s with silent films all the way through. And what I noticed in doing, and this took years, you know, of, of historical, of just really good films, the best of films, Casablanca, you know, uh, North by Northwest, you know, Ben-Hur, um, Psycho. Yeah, we actually saw, Katie's back here saying Psycho. Yeah. But what I noticed, and I wonder if you've noticed this too, that during the 40s, um, and even the 30s too, the women that were in movies, you know, the Catherine Hepburns, the Betty Davises, uh, they were fabulous actresses and their roles were equal. And, it, you know, there, there was not distinction. And then all of a sudden in the 50s, when we got to the, the consumer society, uh, women started being stupid in movies. And it's like they, they, their brains were gone. And it was, it, it was a very, it was like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, what, was, what were you saying, Katie? You can slide up here. Oh, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot, exactly. Well, that, that was, you know, so the, the early uh, cross-dressers in films, that was pretty funny. Um, but do you notice that, Dorothy, that, that you so really, there are different time periods? That there are different time difference. periods, and you can see the evolution. Yeah. And I don't know a lot about film, but, but there is the male gaze in film represents, like, the camera angles focusing on her body, like, where we know that she is sexy prior to knowing anything else about her at all, the character. Uh-huh. We know she's right. hot. And so if we look at all kinds of films and start to notice that, that sort of feeling, like, what do you know about this female character? We know she's hot. It's a, it's, a, it's a model of looking that's sexual, voyeuristic, associated with male point of view. Um, we know right away that, that the hero desires her. And um, so we've, we've kind of all had a lifetime of seeing women sexualized in, in film, movies, television, advertisements. Mm-hmm. And most of us have become very comfortable assuming this male gaze as we move through the world. Mm. So what the female gaze t- tries to do to balance, emphasizing the female gaze, is... Um, looking at someone's authenticity, looking below the surface, not, not what I see, but what do I feel in my heart about them? And this gets really deep because in my viewpoint and the viewpoints of my mentors, the heart is where spirit and God resides and speaks to us. A lot of us were raised in a way that cuts us off from our emotions and our hearts. We talk more about how important it is to achieve and how to look good, right? We've talked about performance, sexuality on this radio show um, right. and the different levels of sexuality. So a lot of us are residing in a place as women where we're, we're really cut off from a lot of our spirituality and our connection with others and our intuition and our true soulful sexuality. And one of the ways to cut off from men in the process, you cut off from men, you cut off from yourselves, you cut off from men. We're wondering like, where, where are you? We know you're out there, you know, know, find yourself and then come talk to me. Back in touch with the feminine without the world balancing in some way which is what I'm talking about in film. So when I talk about film and the feminine, that's one example of how we've really pushed the spectrum way over to the masculine perspective, which is a mm-hmm. lovely perspective, but when imbalanced and out of balance with the feminine is very unhealthy mm-hmm. for all of us. So mm-hmm. the fem- female gaze in my dance classes, we are looking for not how hot her body looks in this dance, 
not how far she can put her butt in the air in that cat pounce position, not how, car, how far she can climb on the pole and what kind of inversion tricks she can do. That is very superficial. What we're looking for is what mm-hmm. story is this friend, this sister telling us today through her dance? How does she feel? Is it authentic movement where she's listening to her body and letting her body take her places versus her brain? This is mm-hmm. called intuitive movement, embodied movement, somatic movement. And out in the world, the feminine gaze is looking to connect, peel back the layers, see below the surface. If I go to the cashier and she looks like she doesn't do a lot of self-care, she looks unhappy, she, but she says to me, she, so she, let's say she's wearing a little necklace that has some birthstones, and I can say to her, what a pretty necklace. Are, are those birthstones? And then you see her face light up, and she says, yes, my um, mother gave those to me. They're my children's birthstones, and I always wear it. And I can say to her, those are beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I think that's May, August, and maybe I recognize the birthstones. And maybe mm-hmm. she says, yeah. And all of a sudden, I've taken this, what could be a neutral interaction, put my, put my stuff in the cart. Here's the money. Here's the transaction. Bye-bye. And I've connected with her, and she remembers her children, and she's seen now and not only is she seen, but she's told that something about her is beautiful and eye-catching. The importance of that interaction is not to be underestimated. And we have opportunities all the time to do this to others. And it raises the collective vibration. It fills my emotional bucket as the woman noticing, and it fills hers as being noticed. And it's hugely important. Um, that was just an example. I just came off, came up with. No, that fly. makes a lot of sense. I mean, why, yeah. why do you find it important to notice these things? I mean, to make a conscious effort to do that. I'm just curious. So the the female energy needs to be seen and connected okay. with. So we talked about okay. our five feminine geniuses: intuition, communication, mm-hmm. and connection, curve of movement, um, emotability. So a woman who is cut off. All of this goes together, and I, I don't want to overcomplicate it. But no, go ahead. Off, I'll ask you questions, and we'll try heart. to explain it if we have yeah, to. Yeah, a woman who's yeah. cut off from her heart, cut off from her own emotions, cut off from her own spirituality, and cut off from her sexuality, which all goes together, mm-hmm. um, is not accessing these feminine geniuses, is not, is not increasing their strength in herself, and, and therefore in others, making them very important and drawing them out in other women. So when we, when we improve them in ourselves and we recognize the importance and we increase them in our life and reconnect to our heart and our emotions, our feelings, reclaim our sexuality, um, decrease shame, love our bodies, take care of ourselves, all these things we can do as women to make us truly happy and truly spiritually elevated and connected and live a really self-realized life that we then take that energy out into the world and we begin to help other women reclaim it naturally. So this is the most important spiritual work. It is so important to, to do the healing as a woman in a feminine way. And so bringing it back to the feminine gaze, what you naturally do when you've healed as a woman and you're truly in touch with your feminine, you're very comfortable with it. You're moving through life in the, in the holy divine feminine energy what you do is you naturally spread that to others and everyone, men and women included, begin to, they begin to recognize it in themselves, if that makes sense, and begin to have like more heart connection and sort of turn up. So when I'm taking the feminine into a masculine um, presence, right, as we talked about earlier, and I'm mm-hmm. truly receptive and I'm truly grateful for his help and I notice his qualities that, that, and I appreciate them, what happens to him? He gets turned up. 
he gets turned up energetically, his testosterone increases, he begins to become more helpful, feel more useful, and that energy he takes out in the world, it just spreads. Yeah? And, and when sense. I do that with women, yeah, when I notice women and see them because they haven't been seen enough, women aren't, women need to be seen and heard and connected with. And so when I take my energy of seeing, connecting, being authentically connected out into the world and I do that for women, they begin to see them and then they begin to do it to other women. And before you know it, we've all collectively become much happier and much more fulfilled. Um, I, got a, I got a question now. This is the sound makes a lot of sense. I think there's um, a lot here, and, she, and I, I don't know if I'm explaining it well. No, no, you're explaining it fine. No, no but like I say, we mm-hmm. always, I always like to talk about things, and don't ever worry about being overcomplicated. You know, we can go over things, we can do them the next week, we can, you know, come up with new ways of explaining things. That's never a problem. We have a smart mm-hmm. audience. Uh, this is probably the one yeah. show that we uh, we do not underestimate our audience. We'll take it as far as they can go. People that don't understand, they're going to tell me. So don't worry about it. That's that's not really a, an issue. Um, yeah. Do you think that men need to be noticed and validated in the same way that women do? No, not and in the same way, but they, okay, do need, they absolutely need it, but I don't think it's the same way. I think men like compliments about their physical appearance 100%, but women need it. And again, here's a spectrum. So a woman might say to me, I don't. I want to be given a gift or I want my love language. It's not verbal affirmation. It's great. Okay. But for the most part, most women have a strong love language of verbal affirmation and frequently about their physical appearance so that they're pretty and that they're desirable, right? That they're interesting, that they, that they evoke a desire in others, whether it's a sexual desire or an emotional desire, but that they evoke a desire to connect, that they evoke that in someone else. <clears throat> yeah. See, I believe, I and of, I think you'll support this, ahead. that men need to feel, like you said, useful, valuable, appreciated for what they give, appreciated for being a um, strong winner, <laughs> I'm going to challenge that a little bit. Well, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, uh, I think one of the problems that, that, uh, that sort of the indoctrination, the conditioning of men uh, is that a lot of our individuality is, taken, individuality is taken away from us. You know, men, you know, as boys, as the, there's the Cub Scout uniform, the, the Boy Scout uniform, the football uniform, then the military uniform, then the corporate uniform. Men are always in a uniform. Men's haircuts are basically the same. Most men on the job have to wear a tie. To me, that's a symbol of slavery. Mm-hmm. I am not putting a rope around my neck. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have a job where I can look like a plop and be happy at it. It's part of the beauty of radio. Um, but <laughs> Katie's in the back, she's laughing at me. Um, Katie's in her pajamas, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry, I'm teasing her. Um, but, uh, but the thing is that, men, there is a conformity. And I think that one of the nicest things for men to be to be noticed by women, not for being useful, because then they mm. become like a, like a servant, you know. But for men mm. to be noticed just as as that individual man, what is it about, you know, the because women don't have that. Women have to wear, but the, women have the opposite problem. You have to wear a different dress every day at work. If you wear the same dress three days in a row, like, well, don't you have any clothes? What's wrong with you? A guy can wear a white culturally in different cultures too. Exactly. Okay, so we talk about that too. Guy has, you know, guy can show up at work with a, a blue or a gray suit, you know, for 30 years and nobody cares because it's conditioning. We're supposed to look the so, same. I look at guys. Okay, so, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So when I say useful, I don't mean like a tool. So I okay. mean like, thank you. Thank you so much for that solution to my problem. I, I was dwelling over a problem the other day when I was talking to you and you could tell I was distracted and I, I shared with you what my problem was and, 
just can't seem to, and, and you suggested mm-hmm. a solution pretty quickly as my masculine friend, you, you, you quickly came up with a logical solution that actually uh, uh, made a lot of sense. For it. Yeah, and honestly, for friend, yeah. honestly, male friend, I'm going to come back to you and tell you that I actually did that. Mm. And everything smoothed over. Everything solved itself. And wow. it made my life so okay. much easier. And I really appreciate it. So at, the, at the risk I, of my own I'm ego, so grateful. Uh, <laughs> tell me what I did. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm so grateful. And I feel so. So how does that feel when I say those words, Greg, to you as a male? Oh, why do you think I want to hear it again? It sounds fabulous. You yeah. made my day. You know, I mean, I love exactly. being able to, to help. I just do. I love it. I mean, you look at Action Radio. What is this not if not bringing help to an entire world in terms of teaching something new that's never been done before, in terms of increasing mm-hmm. freedom on a worldwide scale? But if I can, you mm-hmm. know, but it's one person at a time. So, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I've got a big stupid grin on my face right now. So what did I do? <laughs> this is great. Because it feels really good. And as a woman, it feels really good to say those words to you also. It's, okay. There's something that like from, I'm going to say from my pelvis all the way up to my like below, and I love to talk about where we feel things in our body. So bear with me. Okay. All the way to my jaw right now, I'm feeling a feeling of almost like electric tingling. And it's wow. not sexual. And I believe it's spiritual energy, I'll be honest, because it's such an important thing um, for you to hear it as a male and for me to say it as yep. a female. And so when I say useful, I don't mean like a tool. I mean like <laughs> that kind of thing. So but that's what I want to do, clarify need, that. do men need to be recognized as being unique? Like, I I really don't know physically. I mean, I think a man loves to hear, wow, I can tell you've been at the gym. Oh, my goodness. Your vice. Yeah, but that's appearance. So that's the feminine gaze. So you're looking at a man through the feminine gaze. Now, hold on. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say that, I, you know, I don't, but, you know, if, if, it's, if I've done something that helps, it's really good to know. Uh, if, uh, I think yeah. the opposite of that is when women expect men to be useful, and that's our purpose, and that's a problem. But mm. there's, there, and I'm trying, I guess this is, this is still cloudy anything, in my brain. Anything, anything we expect that someone is attempting to do, and they're giving yep. a gift, and they, it becomes yep. an expectation versus appreciated, any across the board, we're, that's, a, yeah. that's a bummer, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, and like I said, I'm thinking out loud here, so I don't really have this uh, mm-hmm. um, clarified on brain yet, but how do we, how do women recognize men, not as, you know, what we can do for them or what we can do, but as individuals mm-hmm. in a world that conditions men uh, that actually values conformity? You know, I've always been mm-hmm. outcast from corporations, from jobs. I can't tell you the times I've heard no. <laughs> you know, can't do that, Greg. That's 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 too. I'm sorry, Greg. That's uh, too okay. different. Well, okay. Well, we don't Greg, do that I here, Greg. You here. We're, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, and it's like my whole life. And now I pride myself on my individuality, but for a long time, it was a real curse. You know, because why don't you okay, perform? So we have a few things like happening us? here. And I can't so, do that so because yeah. our, because the corporate media and because the government and because our hierarchical political system, I mean, I'm making a pyramid with my arms right now as I talk to you because of this. I believe you. And, and again, this here's an overlapping topic that I don't want to get too into, but we agree on it. There's a mm-hmm. massive brainwashing, especially in the Western cultures, massive brainwashing of the people, a hypnotic, mm-hmm. a applied psychology. Um, so, so, so if Blue you are people. unique, yeah. quote, if you're mm-hmm. unique, if you're a critical mm-hmm. thinker, if you truly mm-hmm. are not fully hypnotized by our cultural messaging mm-hmm. um, that, that pushes competition, uh, pushes against connection with others, pushes against individual expression in a, that's healthy, right? And, 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 and okay, uh, and if, if you're sort of brainwashed by that, you're going to have a hard time finding your tribe, right? So, mm-hmm. so 
So if you're, no, I found them now. We're all here at Action to... Radio. <laughs> you're here. You know, yeah. behind me. You know, we're all we're all here. We're all because you said one you're big happy family of individuals. And yeah. so you were saying you're not conforming, and sometimes maybe you don't feel appreciated by generally by women because you're not presenting in the suit with the, with the haircut. Oh, oh can I tell you a funny story? Can I tell you a funny story? Sure. Back, back during my, my online dating days, um, and because I'm such an individual, but uh, this, this is like a few years ago. And so I, I sort of mm-hmm. like dabbled in this every once in a while just because I'm curious. And just, yeah, be, you know, I sort of toy with the idea of a girlfriend and I toy with the idea of being single. And there's always been conflict because so there's advantages and disadvantages to both. But uh, three women that I went out with over the course of, I think, six to eight months. I'm not sure how long it was, but uh, these are just, uh, you know, folks I got to know, their friends, actually one of them turned out to be a really good friend of mine, but they all said the same thing. Uh, I was unstable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay. you're a nice guy, but you're unstable. And I'm like, mm-hmm, what do you mean? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the most stable person I know. I'm mentally stable. I'm, you know, physically stable. I'm very, I mean, I know exactly where I'm going, what I'm doing. I mean, what are you talking about? And it, it turned out it was mostly money was the big thing, mm-hmm. but just the fact that three mm-hmm. different individual, talented, bright women I don't go with idiots. Um, all came up with the same the same word. You know, I was unstable. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, where is this coming from? Uh, I, and they, they were different, but the only thing they had in common was the fact that they were you know quite bright and quite uh, intuitive. And uh, but this is was but that was the perception. So there's a perception out there that men, a stable man, and this is what I think a, a lot of criticism guys have to live up to being stable, which means holding that job mm-hmm. for a long time, having a certain income, having a certain car. So in other words, as you recognize tradition in men for getting the job and getting the car, there's a certain, there's another, the dark side of that is that men have to get the good, the, the car and the good job, uh, or they're not stable. They're not, they're not mm-hmm. participating properly. They're too individual. So there are a lot of flip sides mm-hmm. to all the things we talk about. Well, a woman, okay, so a woman naturally wants to feel safe and secure if she's going to be intimately connected with you. So a healthy, mm-hmm. healthy feminine but a scare off. is drawn no, to a healthy masculine, yeah. and a healthy masculine, yeah. I'm just going to say it, has yeah. resources, has mm-hmm. ambition and direction, knows where we're going. Mm-hmm. When he's connected to a healthy feminine and he's decided to, um, you know, commit to her or even prior to commitment when he's feeling that emotional connection, that sexual connection, he feels it's compatible. He's going to be very logical, and he's going to um, have a certain progress of the relationship. He's going to lead that, and she can allow him to lead it. And what the healthy masculine will lead it towards is a, is a pathway of success for both of them so they can come together and combine their lives. Now, if a healthy feminine isn't feeling that leadership, if she's not feeling that this man that she might be giving herself to um, has direction, clarity, is able to communicate how he feels about her and where he wants the relationship to go, and is leading her in a very logical, healthy timeline towards the next steps of the relationship, she's going to feel unstable. And what she needs is, is to see that he has oh, she's the resources, that he manages his oh, resources well. Yeah. So are mm-hmm. they, was that projection not, that they feel that they were unstable? You know? Or they would be Pardon? unstable with me? I mean, was it projection? So, you know, wounds attract like wounds, right? So we can get into that also. But um, if you are in your shadow feminine as a woman and you are a bit chaotic and you have not integrated a healthy masculine and you're, you're a little directionless yourself and you kind of jump from job to job and, you know, there's a lot of characteristics of the shadow feminine, right? Mm-hmm. But... Um, she will be or boyfriend drawn to, boyfriend. to a masculine. That'd be another problem. She'll be drawn and magnetized to a masculine, and he will be drawn to her that complements that, that has similar wounding, similar. Either he'll be overcompensating on the control, um, mm-hmm. and she'll be drawn to that because she doesn't have any of her own. 
right? Or, I mean, there's a lot of different combinations. So I don't know in your particular relationship what what was happening if you truly were a little, you know, a little no, I was um, very stable. unstable I was just and you poor. weren't ready for... <laughs> well, hmm? well, let me ask you this then, because here's, you know, you look at uh, Hershey uh, went broke three times before he created Hershey's chocolate. Uh, the steel people uh, either went broke or were almost broke uh, at several mm-hmm. times. Entrepreneurs generally go broke. Uh, Henry Ford mm-hmm. went broke. All the great entrepreneurs, all the great uh, industrialists, all the great inventors, they all went broke at one point. Uh, the Wright brothers, mm-hmm. you know, I think they almost lost their bicycle shop before they or uh, in the process of inventing the airplane. Were they unstable? No. They might have been financially poor. But here's what, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But the, but the, it's, what I'm getting at is the relationship that stable man has, as you said, resources. But if you're an entrepreneur, now I think my resources will be greater than they've ever been any time in my life once we break through. Will I be different mm-hmm. then? Will I be more stable when I've got a massive bank account in my okay. debt and I can fly upside down? You know, or so, I'm still the same person that was creating the business as opposed to the person that I mean, you're the same person, but are you able to, right. in relationship with a woman, are you mm-hmm. able to say, here's where we are now. Mm-hmm. I want, I, I, I love you and I want you to be part of my life. I realize right now I don't have everything in place, but here is my plan, how I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. I, I have a plan. I'm working on it daily. This is where I'm going. I would like to bring mm-hmm. you with me. This is how I see us doing this together. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my words are obviously very simplistic, you know, but in general. No, and it, yeah, and I didn't get to the point where I was actually, first of all, to say I love you, but secondly, to say, here are my exact plans. I mean, it was, it, the, the conversations didn't get that far because, you know, after mm-hmm. a couple of meetings, I was unstable. And it's like, oh, my God. Well, unstable well just... is more than just do you have a plan for your career. Unstable, I mean, it could mean a lot of things. Or it could just be not the right Apparently fit does. of a woman. It could just be not the right fit. That could be that also. Well, that's you know? okay. I can understand that. No, what's interesting yeah. is that three women said exactly the same thing, all within the space of several months. I just find that fascinating. Yeah, that is. So that's God knocking on your door. You know that. I'm, I'm extremely stable. I'm just, you know, <laughs> off the wall. But to me, to me and I'm, what, I'll what, say, what does it mean when a... What does it mean when a woman's when a when the feminine energy tells you you're unstable? What does that actually yeah. mean in her heart? It means I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe with you. I don't feel your strong protector provider arms around me energetically. Um, okay. I don't feel that that you want to have a future with me and that you've declared it and that you have a pathway there. I don't feel that you're both emotionally connected to me and physically and committed. Like it can mean a lot of different things, right? Yeah. Well, that's probably why I stopped online dating at that particular moment. <laughs> Because <laughs> mm. laughing behind me is that is a rather limited future. You'll be talking to her next week, I think. Uh, so we'll. Uh... I would love to hear Katie's input on any of this. I bet she. Katie, you want, you want to step up to the microphone? So many. Nope, she, not this time. Not this week. Yeah, she'll be back. Well, okay. well she's actually okay. here in the studio with me, watching how the board works, because she'll be working her own oh. board on her own computer, uh, probably very soon. Uh, I'm, I'm quite happy with this morning. We've accomplished a whole lot. Uh, so you believe me, you'll hear from her, and I think she, you two are going to have so some interesting chats the... too. Yeah. Go ahead. And part of the feminine gaze, I didn't want to forget. So, so, so if anyone wants mm-hmm. to research this, in film, they have picked this apart unendingly. So it's very interesting to read about the film perspective. But out in the world, um, so one thing we do teach, teach our women, and this is part of empowerment. So we do a lot mm-hmm. of empowerment practices. And is something called they see, you feel. So mm. how does the way my body feels, and the way my face and body expresses itself out in the world 
So my, my, my feminine genius is of a motability, of curve of movement. So if I'm truly moving in a feminine way out in the world. You, you so, said that a few so, times, a so curve that's one of, of the movement. geniuses. So okay. if you watch a woman shopping versus a man, for example, and again, mm-hmm. gen, I'm not making general, I'm making okay, generalizations You don't have here, no so, disclaimers. Just, but a man, just say it. It's the men okay. in my life will make a list. Or they'll know mm-hmm. exactly what they need going into a store. They won't look at anything else. They'll literally grab mm-hmm. what they want and get the hell out. In fact, <laughs> one man, the man I was married to, uh-huh. hated Kitty's stores laughing. so much that I would order all his things and have them delivered to the house. He would try them on or, or look at them, and then I would return whatever he didn't want because he did oh not God. want that browsing experience Why not? at all. So, I love shopping. I, okay, I'm, I won't get into that because I want to finish the point. But, okay, well, um, we'll talk about that another day. I'm, I actually but, go hungry with movement, extra money and no lifts, by the way, but that's me. I'm, I'm unusual. The feminine genius of curve of movement <laughs> moves, moves in a circuitous way through the world, both energetically, in communication, and physically. Mm-hmm. So okay. she will tend to do more wandering. She'll follow her heart. If a conversation mm-hmm. takes a different turn, she'll follow it readily. Um, you'll hear men say when they're listening to groups of women talk, how do you all even hear each other? You talk over each other all the time. (laughs) You're always changing topics. You're always changing topics. And we'll just laugh and say, oh, we hear each other just fine. And we can finish each other's sentences. And, you know, this is a circuitous curve. So when I talk about curve of movement as a feminine genius, it's not just that I'm going to move slowly right now and push my hips out to each side as I move because it feels good. I'm going to take a breath and let my chest lift and carry me through space because it feels good to have an open chest and to be proud of my breasts. I'm going to lift my chin and let my beautiful throat, my throat chakra, my voice be exposed. So curve of movement is not just physical feminine genius. It is an emotional, energetic feminine genius. So makes sense. um, If I was to walk out in the world the same way I do in my dance practices with the ladies, and I was decided to, to do what we call the S walk, which is where we walk very slowly with all of our curves accentuated. And we really take our time. And as my foot steps on the floor, I put all my weight in it. And my other hip pushes out. And then my foot that's behind drags slowly around in front. Meanwhile, my hands are maybe even playing on my body and I'm just letting my breath lead me through space. It's very intentional, this walk we teach. And it feels yeah, really good on radio right body. This, this, this has been a good chance for video, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it feels very good in the feminine body, and it's a very step-by-step right. process as we teach it. And before you know okay. it, these women are taking this walk and making it their own. They love it. They'll put on six-inch heels. They're oh. adorable. It's so beautiful. But if Why you take that heels? walk out into Home Depot – and you right. decide you're walking down the aisle, and all of a sudden you want to sink into your feminine walk. You want to sink into that beautiful walk that feels so good uh, that uh-huh. I do in class, because why not? It's my body. I'm allowed to. The importance of you feel they see is, is, is taught for that reason, because in the world we live in, our bodies and our faces might want to express something at a certain time that feels really good to us, but it may not be the right time safety-wise. Um, and that's emotional safety as well as physical, right? So, so does this make sense? It does, but I'm, I'm curious what, the, what the, the male counterpart is. Now, did you say S walk, S is in mm. Sam, or F is in, you know, fudge? What is Which the word? male counterpart? I love that question. Oh, S. But what, what was S. the S, is is it the S, S factor, walk? S factor. 
Mm-hmm. F is we call factor. it the F walk, okay. but it can be called it can the be F walk. F factor is, I guess that's is another word anyway. of, of, right. of the dance training. So okay. S factor so, is Sheila Kelly's um, uh, brainchild, and that's the root okay. of what I teach mostly. But you I draw bring these people on philosophies. Also, Darcy, mm-hmm. you got to bring you got to bring yeah. these people on the show. I really want to talk to them. All right, so let's get the male counterpart to this because I think guys are almost desexualized. It's like you know mm-hmm. you have to hear a group of men say, you know, I uh, I learned a really way uh, hot way to walk the other day so I can uh, feel good and. Uh, you know, attract women and stuff. Guys don't talk like that. No, guys, because curve of movement is a feminine genius. So a man's no, but so, genius I know that. I'm not trying to take in, over. I'm trying to say on, what is hold the... Hold on. A man's okay. genius lies in his ability to get from point A to point B without distraction quickly to achieve the goal at the, where point B is. There's a goal. There's an achievement. There's a conquest. And to get there, do it and do it first and um, do it best. And so... Why do we have convertibles then? Why do we have convertibles? Why do we go driving at sunset? Well, that's a symbol sunset? that you're a winner. It's a symbol. No, that not no, only no, are you no, a no, winner. no, 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 you're, you're denying the male romantic completely. Hold on. Not only are okay. you a winner, but you're free also. Freedom and a winner. Okay, I'll agree together. with that. But you tell me what you but, think. Yeah. Well, because I think, I think it's part of conditioning. I, and I think that, uh, you know, you express the feminine in beautiful curving tones and you feel all yummy and scrumptious walking down the Home Depot mm-hmm. aisle. And the you counterpart sure for men, do. if they get there, it, well, it's great. <laughs> Listen, I, like I said, I wish I had a visual right now. This would be fabulous. Okay. Um, but, okay. yeah. But, um, but this is why this is what we can do this. We're, folks that are new to this, we're such good friends. We can actually talk like this openly. This is what mm-hmm. we do here. And Dorothy is incredibly special. So I just want to let you know that. Um, but there's, but there's, I think there's something denying. There's a denial of, mm. the, of the male romantic. It's like the 1800s poets, you know, the British poets, Byron mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Shelley and Yeats mm-hmm. and all these guys. They could be romantics, okay? Don Juan. They were very much in their feminine. I want to yeah. undress you with my eyes. You know, I mean, those guys. But all of a sudden, you know, in 1958, men lost all sexuality. They became gray-suited IBM employees. And that was it. It's done. You know, they got their gold watch. They lost their hair. And, but that's not uh, then they real. died. That's no, that's not real. That's okay, the so what is media the male? hierarchical government reflection what? that is inaccurate. So okay, so the, but there's more to it than poet. getting there. Okay, so okay. let's bring the poet back again. We're mm-hmm. talking about masculine energy. We're talking. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about men. We're talking about masculine energy. Well, totally yeah, I don't know if you like can separate said, the two. That's person, what I'm saying. Okay. Every person has a spectrum, and they blend it. So if I, as a woman, can't ever get from point A to point B. If I have right. zero masculine energy, I'm kind of, you know, F U C T in this modern in this modern <laughs> day ask, world. No, I'm yeah, talking you can about directions, what can you know, I, guys don't do. Right. No, I'm talking about can okay. I make a plan and can I follow the plan to the goal at the end? And that uh-huh. applies to every part of life. So okay. if you if you can never reach go from point A to point B in a in a in a streamlined way, you know, that's really gonna have a deficit. Your finances are gonna be out of whack, your jobs are gonna be out of whack. So when, I, when you're talking do. about that the masculine doesn't get any of that yummy, juicy, uh-uh, they absolutely do. That's the feminine. Okay. And so when you, you put men out in the world of conquest, winning, this and that, all this cold, judgmental competition, guess what? They get to come home to the feminine and they get to remember their feminine side with a woman who reminds them in how she speaks in the environment of the home, in how she receives him, both physically and emotionally. And all of a sudden, he gets to remember that side that the world has tried to make him forget, and he gets to um, totally sink into it. And that is the gift. And um, yeah, it's not that he doesn't have it. It's no, it's, it's, he's it's, not, it's, quote, allowed to...
yeah. express it as it's, much as it's women. It's beautiful in sound, but there's a problem. You're denying the masculine mm. within the mas- within the within the self of the masculine person. No, you know, no, the person I'm not has denying the, the Wait, wait, let me. Well, no, hang on, hang yeah. on, hang on. Okay, okay. so because what you said was that men receive the gifts when they're with women, that that feminine energy will make them feel good. And what I'm saying is, you know, you've, you, I mean, why do we like Westerns? Because men ride horses into the sunset. And a guy looks at that mm. and goes, you know, that'd be a cool thing to do. Of course, I'll have to camp out and make beans, but, you know, in the dark, <laughs> but that's okay. But riding into the sunset's a romantic thing to do. I think there's a, a romantic side that, that you're not thinking about, or you probably haven't thought about it a whole lot. I know because you work with women all the time. It makes sense. I'm not, this isn't a criticism. This is a, let's add to so let's add to the description of, of masculine energy by putting a romantic side into it. So in other words, you know, it's not just uh, getting there as quickly as possible. It's getting there as quickly as possible with the top down, with the wind in your face, singing country music badly out the window and mm-hmm. not caring who's listening or singing so with the person is, in the car next to you going, really oh, that good. sounds pretty good there, dude. You know, so, but there's something This feels missing. really good to the masculine. And, and do you know how many mm-hmm. men literally cut that side off of themselves and they refuse to actually have those pleasures? No. So this, this is guy. part of the masculine. It's the feminine balanced yeah. part of the masculine energy. Okay. So, so what you're describing is feminine energy, and I can't emphasize enough how a healthy person has mm-hmm. how a healthy person has integrated both. They play more naturally in one side, but they have a healthy other that they are able to draw on at any point. So we're not talking about men and women, and and and, and this is. Where I'm not I think either, but I think there's. Uh, we're talking about energy. What what does? But the way you characterize. But the way you characterize masculine energy. We can call it yin and yang. We yeah, call it no, yin and yang missing, energy. Yeah, I think you're missing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think you're missing a huge part of, of masculine energy uh, in terms of the romantic side, the the, the dream side that, that builds the you know conceives of the airplane, you know, and the, yeah, building it's very masculine. Yeah, we will get our, our our aerodynamic numbers and we'll get the formulas and bring out the slide okay. rules. Yeah, you know. okay, mm-hmm. but there's the other side that uh, you're going to be able to fly with the birds. Okay, so and what does that feel rom- like, Greg? Oh, What's it's amazingly feeling? intense. It's wonderful. It's the same it's a thing freedom, I feel when right? I go bike riding and, and, the, and the bunny rabbits are running beside me because they like to. And they do. That, the rabbits actually run with me while I'm bike riding for, for uh, fairly long distances. It's pretty amazing. Um, so that's my so spiritual side. That's a freedom, okay. and that's a freedom, and that's a, that's a spiritual connection but, of freedom. Yeah. Okay, so now, all right. Now and I don't sense. believe that. And I don't believe but, that's necessarily feminine energy. I believe that's part of the masculine energy, that feeling of freedom, seeking freedom, right? And... I think that you and I would agree that that there's an attempt to cut you off from freedom in oh, this absolutely. world by the political, the governmental, <laughs> hierarchical you know, system. Yeah. Yeah. So well, if a woman is truly sunk into her feminine, what mm-hmm. she gives permission to her man is to reconnect with that freedom. Now, if you're able to find it on your own in your daily, Greg, more power to you. Many see, men are that's not. Why it's critical. Many men see, who are just, obedient and compliant yeah, and have yeah. listened to the rules too much and have been educated in our public school systems, literally are cut off from that healthy masculine feeling of freedom. Well, they're toxic. They're, they're told they're toxic. Mm-hmm. See, I want men to connect. This is why I'd love to work with men, actually, uh, because we need to tell the guys that you, that you don't need, you know, as much as it's great to have uh, the, uh, the, I guess, the affirmation of, of the female energy to this romantic side of men, but men need to find it for themselves. You know, where, where are the men that set sail not knowing where the destination was back 500 years ago? You know, Columbus. Who did they do it for? He went the wrong way. Well, okay, wait a minute. No, let's just go back to, <laughs> let's go back to the individual. See, I think you're still, I still can't get you there. I can't get you to an individual man who has this, this part of his energy is his own self. You know, like I said, the romantic side, the dreaming side, the, the possibility side, the free side. Cause you know, Greg's original mm-hmm, rule mm-hmm. is that men feel, uh, 
uh, secure when they're free and women feel free when they're secure. That's the fundamental dynamic of relationships. And so, mm-hmm. but I think, I think you, that you have to recognize that a man wants to feel free for himself and that men have to recognize the same thing, that if a man does not feel free and does not desire that freedom and does not, you know, do what it takes, uh, you know who's big on this? Actually, it was Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand, depending on how you say it. If you ever watch the, and I'm mm-hmm. terrible at reading books, The Fountainhead, it's all about individual achievement, individual accomplishment and getting recognition for yourself. You know, Howard Rourke, mm-hmm. when he gives his final speech, you should get, get, the, get the fountainhead, the final speech. His work has its own integrity. It's his own usefulness. It's, it's his own possession. That when the man is, Correct. Very so, so that's a great thing. achievement. Okay, yeah, but, but, great, but it's not just the achievement. achievement they, but, mm-hmm. right, wait, no. So, so this is where you go again. So it's not the achievement. It's the work. Yeah. Okay. Action Radio. Yes, I'm going to achieve huge things with this, I'm sure. But it's the work. I love the work. Okay, so there's a huge thing. I'm not excited to what's going things, on here. But I'm not, I'm not sure how we're saying different things. Because you're a chicken, I'm a dude. That's probably why. And the, and yeah. the, the work okay. and, the, and the work is beautiful, and I have zero argument with this whatsoever. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I'm, I'm clarifying. Yeah. I think I'm adding, a, I'm, I want to add something extra to the picture. I think that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's like we're missing a slice of the pie. I don't want to put that piece in. Mm-hmm. And that piece is the romantic side of men doing things because, not because they're validated by a woman, but because they're validated mm-hmm. with themselves. And I think that's what's missing. Oh, there's my 90 second Okay. Um, so I'll let you, you know, sum up. I, just and, don't, I yeah. don't believe, and I have to dwell, okay. I don't actually believe any of us function in any way, shape, or form isolated at all. I think that everything no, I don't we do, everything mm-hmm. we do, is when it's healthy, it is if, if it's actually feeding ourselves. The whole, mm-hmm. the greater goal is 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 raising up all of all of each other, raising raising the collective consciousness together. I think we do. So I think people. I hear you uh, saying that people listen to our individual work and they have their yeah. individual goals and they have their. I think there's an overarching connection here where it's actually not really. If we keep peeling back the layers, it's not really about themselves although it's very healthy because they're building themselves, um, if that makes sense. Well, when I say coming home to a woman, in, when I say yeah. coming home to a woman, I, I don't mean necessarily literally that. I mean having, being able to access the essential feminine energy, and sometimes that can only be done in relationship with a woman who is truly in her feminine. Sometimes that healing that was cut off it's almost impossible to be done isolated. Does that make sense? I just the got the 10 second warning when you said that. Permission. Say that again. Hmm? One more time. Well, I got the 10 second warning right when you said that last. Bit, yeah. So and I have to go you. because I've got to get someone to a chiropractor at 11. Oh, I just went <laughs> for the first time in a while. Yeah. It's definitely good stuff. We should talk about alternative health and, and healing uh, in terms you. of uh, sex and sensuality too. Can you be sensual if your back hurts? <laughs> you know, I mean, that'd I'll be forget. Good well, yeah, there's many disability devices for, for um, people okay. so they can have great sex. And if, even if they're a little incapacitated, um, but yeah, I forget right about the chiropractor. Sometimes I don't go for a while and then I go and I'm like, why aren't I doing this more often? I always feel so much Maybe better. Put it on the calendar. Mm. Dorothy, thank you. I love always. my I love talking to you. You know, I love talking to you. So it's, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, let's get your contact and uh, go look at the chiropractor and we'll do it again next week. And let's all go through the world noticing others from like maybe below the surface, like something like a little less than just the physical this week, like just kind of noticing something a little deeper. How about that's the homework? 
the female Sounds gaze good. on work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be gazing uh, at females, and, just like you say. I'm oh, I'm you. sure you will. <laughs> I do. Um, you know, I'm a guy. Yoniyun.com. It. So it's Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N.com. And there you can see my local offerings. And um, I'm on Facebook as Dorothy Diana, and I post a lot of this uh, stuff on Facebook, um, and it's connected to my blog also. Mm-hmm. What's your blog? Where's that? Oh, it's connected to Facebook, and it's connected to my website. I have a tech, a beautiful genius tech girl um, that does all 15 that. Fifteen years old. Second, which takes me hours. <laughs> Just kidding. Hmm? <laughs> Fifteen years old, like your kid. What? No, you had the 15-year-old tech expert? Or? Well, she is, she's young at heart, that's for sure. She's from New York, and she just gets it. So she, I say, oh, Megan, help me. I go on it. She's like, no problem. It takes her 30 seconds. So the blog is connected to the Facebook and to the website. So I, I'm going to get more things on there. I have a lot, more, a lot more content and less time to post, but that's one of my missions for the summer. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Very yeah. male-directed of you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm trying to integrate better. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I, I, know, I try to notice like everything. Wiggling right now. I, <laughs> I notice a lot more things than people know I notice, but that's just uh, that's because I'm I keep my eyes open and, and notice a ton of things. People, are like, I can't believe you saw that. Well, you know, you know, I got my eyes open. I'm watching. That's scary. <sighs> I, I have friends that see everything. You got to watch that. Yeah, I see everything because they do. Well, it's worse than that. I, know, I actually remember everything too. Not only do I see it, I remember it. <laughs> You're dangerous. All right. Thank you, Greg. Wonderful, wonderful discussion. I love my arguments with you. I love my connection with you. I love your ideas. I love us talking over each other. I love it all. <laughs> I love it all, too. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let's do it again next week. All right. Really appreciate Talk it. Talk soon. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye now. Oh, wow. I know why she's on the show. I mean, Dorothy's the best. Dorothy, I mean, we're really special friends, and uh, I don't know how else we could talk about the things we talk about uh, if not for that. Um, I'm basically done. I've played all the things I have to play. Uh, I got our, our music, and I got a couple of things to tell you about the show. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. And you want to uh, check out our, our – if you want to get the podcast, you know, same place you're, you're looking now, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Our legislative uh, website is writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. We are your lifeboat. And if that doesn't make sense, listen to the first hour. Um, my Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Tons of new articles. I'm going to explain why uh, JFK, excuse me, RFK and Trump is the, the most non-deep state election ever. Uh, and also why the, the debt ceiling argument is, I'll do another article on why that's a total lie based on a lot of things we talked about today. So I think that's about it. Um, contributions, givesendgo.com uh, slash action radio and paypal.com slash paypalme uh, slash action radio. And I think that's about it. So, uh, and just, you know, I'm on Facebook and uh, thanks to Katie, I'm going to be on a bunch of other sites. Uh, we're also on Instagram and who knows what else. But uh, we're there. If you want to find us, we're there. Just put Action, Action Radio Citizen Legislature. All right, play a couple things, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. All right, this is what happens when I don't queue up my next uh, little thing to play here. So let me see this real quickly. And where is my, uh, here we go. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. 
The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes. Only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 